gentlemen. The show is about to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. He'll be found on the mountain. Time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Built by the Barnumidium Company, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, and part of the Chief Sports Network. Juice Wells, all the way, touchdown Gamecocks. Pressure, and he just dives in. Welcome into Inside the Gamecocks, the show. I'm J.C. Sherbert. He is Phil Mullinax. He is Hill McGranahan. Jamie is off today, getting some business done. Uh, so it's us. And uh, we got a three-hour tour here, like Gilligan's Island. Mike Morgan joins us for the Power Hour. Hour two or three, Phil? Yes. <laughs> I think we're going to try to keep him for both. <laughs> oh, both. So we'll have a Power Double Hour. With the morgue coming up here pretty soon, where we'll take a drive around the SEC, college football, uh, anything else topical here in this open week. Uh, but first, we got Hale in to talk uh, as he normally is on Tuesdays. No press conferences today, Hale. So, uh, what are your thoughts in general right now as we head into this bye week, five games into the season, uh, about Carolina football this year? Well, I guess you got to start with the Prism Health injury report and what that's going to look like here in a couple weeks when they get going against Florida or get ready to get going against Florida. Juice is, you know, wherever he's at with his foot and what that looks like, I think that's probably more of a long-term answer than a short-term. Then, you know, T.J. Sanders pops up on Saturday night in Tennessee. So he's been a big piece to the puzzle on that defensive line, and if he's – Banged up moving forward, that's going to be tough to deal with. And Marty Brown getting him back to 100% and, and some of these other guys who have been banged up along the way at other spots, I, I think it's got to start there as, as far as looking ahead into this second half or so of the season as, as Carolina tries to turn around from that tough September schedule and, and try to stack up uh, some more wins here. Amarian Brown, yeah, he's back on against Tennessee, but I, you know, on that 44-yard catch, uh, I went back and looked at it, Hale. It did seem to me like he was a little – like a step slower. Like still quick, still fast. Yeah. You're, ta- you're talking about a guy that has, you know, amazing speed, and he just – kind of like he helped me. You know, he wasn't just quite as uh, quite as explosive and fast on that play. Uh, and then he kind of disappeared for the rest of the game. So uh, I, I kind of – I'm with you there. Uh, yeah, health of this football team is obviously important. 
Um, offensive line continues to be an issue, you know. So I've been wrong a lot this year, just to be honest. <laughs> I sort of thought Tyshawn Wanamaker would be a guy that could go in there and maybe solidify a right tackle since he's played it and been solid at times during his career. Well, he's really struggling, you know. And, and so Beamer mentions going back to Fugar. What's what's the deal? I mean, what what would you do if you were Lonnie Teasley and Atkins and Beamer uh, at right tackle right now? I guess maybe give Ja'Kai Moore a look. I mean, he's played tackle in the past, and we've seen him play a lot of guard uh, more recently. But I, you know, he's been hurt too, so I don't know how serious his deal is. Um, so you know, Beamer said after the game that maybe they need to reevaluate Sidney Fugar. Obviously, he's had his issues this season when he's been in, whether it's at right tackle or left tackle. I think probably more so at left tackle than anything, uh, or at least it's a little more glaring over there. So I don't know. I, I think you you got to have all options on the table at this point. Um, you know, the injuries and how they've piled up uh, have certainly been a, been a challenge that, that's tough to overcome. I mean, we've talked about it. Ad nauseum when I've been on here, and I'm sure you guys have gone into even greater detail when, when I'm not on here because Jalen Nichols, Kaysen Henry, uh, you know, Marky Anderson's probably not a tackle, but he's been out too. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy how, how many injuries they've had and how depleted they are at, at a position like offensive tackle where they're kind of shorthanded anyway coming into the season. That's why they had to go get a Sidney Fugar and a, a Jackson Hughes. Uh, so I don't know, man, that – I mean, maybe Nick Arjulo, maybe slide him out there, but who do you put at left guard? I mean, things have been pretty solid over there. Do you want to mess with the stability that you've had inside with him and Vershawn Lee? I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it looked that much better with somebody else at left guard than, than all of a sudden maybe have an issue there too. So uh, it, it's it's a challenging question, JC, and, and I guess if you're South Carolina, it's – no better time than than now uh, at this point in the season when you got a bye week to try to try to really figure that thing out because it's it's been an issue for sure. Were Henry and Anderson slated to kind of rotate into that tackle position? Henry was going to be a starter. Anderson would have been a guard, but they would have been able to slide Gargiulo out to right. Yeah. To right, right. That's my understanding. Okay. So. Yeah, and, and, and then you're, you're starting two true freshmen at guard and a true freshman at left. But, you know, I, I think Anderson and Ball are probably the, the best options they have in there, unfortunately. I don't know what's happened to Trey Jones. Um, yeah. He's not hurt, I don't think. But uh, he, he doesn't seem to be one that they want an answer for. You know, Ja'Kai uh, has been banged up this year, so – uh, it's just one of those things. So I, I uh, man, I don't know. You know, Fugar Clinton, the chat box says, not sure there's a way to evaluate Fugar. He's way too slow. Well, is he slow or is he playing slow? Because he doesn't know. You know, he's unsure of himself. That's what you have to keep in mind. I mean, all these guys have been evaluated. They know how quick they are and how quick they're not. You know, they're not sitting there putting guys out there that are slower than molasses at left tackle. That would be insanity. You know, so I'm not sure that it's he's incapable of playing fast. I just, I just don't think he has. Um, so uh, it's just one of those things. Next man up, D Riders, y'all stuck on one player. We're gonna be fine at receiver. 
Saturday Night Live <laughs> says that. What are you talking about? <laughs> hey, everybody. He's he's saying everybody's hung up on juice, but here's the problem: is the guys behind juice are not proven commodities. <laughs> you know, as good as Juice Wells is, Juice is a and, special player. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? I mean, you know, you you can still eliminate Leggett without having a credible threat opposite of him. So, uh, you know, it's important yeah. to get Juice back. <laughs> I think we all saw that first drive against Georgia. Yeah. A different offense, right? You know, when you got to deal with him and everybody else. I mean, come on, man. Uh, people keep crying about Juice being injured. No, no he's crying. <laughs> I'm not crying. Whale's certainly not crying. He's got a smile he, on his face. He's a first-team all-SEC player that's going to affect your team when you don't have many of those to begin with. When, when, when you lose the one of the few you got, like that's going to be – uh, a challenge to overcome like you're we're trying to replace a a great player with you know maybe somebody who's good at best i think that uh you know and i think juice will play if he possibly can um hell you covered clemson for a while and it may have been before your time hmm. it's sammy watkins not had like a pin in his foot one year and played like just about the whole year and was effective or is uh, that i think it was somebody else I, I don't remember a pen being in his foot. I, I could be wrong. That was about 10 years ago. So uh, I don't know. I do remember him having some kind of foot injury, but he still played, was fast. It was like one of those things where you couldn't. And, and Juice's injury, it's not it's not like Doty's injury a few years ago. It's not like Jake Bentley's injury he suffered that put him out for the season. It's, a, it's an extremity injury. How about that? It's, it's a toe. Um, so uh, I think that uh, you know I, I think that it's one of those things he showed in Georgia. Like even though the toe w- was injured, he could still he could still move. You know, and that's the thing you you don't want him out there at half speed either. You know, he could he could end up getting really hurt. So that's the thing there. Travis asked, "What's the specific injury on T.J. Sanders? Help the cramps, right?" That would Beamer said cramps. Yeah, Beamer said on Saturday he was dealing with some cramps and he also had a shoulder shoulder thing that he was dealing with too, which kept him out for the entire second half. Apparently I, I did not realize that it, at that point he, he started and I think he's started the last couple games, but uh, yeah, he had some cramps and some sort of a shoulder deal that was holding him back as well. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully he's better. There's a signet, the defensive line, you know, against Georgia, Mississippi state, TJ really started playing well. And they kind of came to life a little bit. Then without him, it went back to the same old, same old. So it wasn't uh, wasn't one of those things. But, yeah, they definitely need him to be back um, quickly, uh, I think. Yeah, a lot of criticism out there about the defense. Uh, I, I sort of thought if, if I had anything to say about it, because I think sometimes coaching is uh, sort of gets a lot of the blame and a lot of the praise when – Yes, players go make plays. But uh, I thought selling out to stop the run against Mississippi State, even though it cost you uh, yardage down the field for Will Rogers, accuracy-wise, you know, Will Rogers is, is, is light years ahead of Joe Milton. I don't know that I wouldn't have loaded up and just said, hey, they that the, what they do this year, not last year, this year, is 
you know, they run you to death. They're going to run those three backs. They're going to try. And, that, and you watch Tennessee for the rest of the year. That's what they're going to do. They're gonna run tempo, run those backs. I don't know that I wouldn't have maybe loaded it up and just lived with what they could accomplish one-on-one down the field. Uh, if I had a criticism of, of kind of the game plan, uh, you know, what say you though? Because like this defense now, hey, we're going on a while since they've had a really, really good game. Clemson game, I'll give mm-hmm. them that as a good game because nine of Clemson's 30 points came touchdown at a safety. But uh, I, uh, it's been a while. I mean, Notre Dame, not a good game. They were shorthanded, but not a good game. Uh, they did get, you know, two defensive touchdowns, but gave up. A, I mean, they couldn't stop Notre Dame at the end. Uh, Furman was a struggle in the first half because it looked like they were, they slanted them to death. Uh, it seems like almost every week some team is doing something and it's all different things, you know, to try to take advantage of a weakness in the defense. You know, your thoughts about where that side of the ball stands right now here in year three under Beamer. I thought in the Tennessee game, it, it was always going to be a challenge to defend them like they defended Mississippi State because Tennessee just spreads you out so much and, and they've got some guys who, who are going to be threats downfield uh, as receivers. Uh, you know, when, when you're having to keep your safeties back because you don't want to get them beat over the top by a really good slot receiver, which which we, we saw at times uh, on Saturday night or maybe just once, but we'll score a white when, when he made that big catch over Ian Edward. Uh, th- that's just going to – kind of come with the territory. I think that's just part of what makes Heifel's offense so tough to defend is is you have to account for those things. You have to defend every part of the field. You can't just load up in the box and 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 count on that as, as a way to win because then they could potentially beat you downfield. And I, I know that, that Tennessee runs the ball really well and uh you know you, you want to try to sell out to, to stop that when you can, but uh there are just some other things that, that they had to, to concern themselves with. And uh, I, I, to me, I thought more of the issues uh, at times on Saturday night were dealing with the tempo and getting lined up. You, that first touchdown that uh, that they scored, that 42-yard run, uh, I think it was maybe like the fifth or sixth play of the drive. And, and I think guys were getting kind of tired because they, they'd been on the field for uh, – six plays real fast, and if a defensive tackle's not getting set and lined up, uh, he's going to get knocked back, and you're going to bounce a linebacker out of the gap that he's filling where the running back just hits hits the hole, and, and he goes through there because it's just wide open for him because the, the defensive tackle is getting, getting jammed out of there. So it's – as far as, you know, pivoting from that and what it looks like for this defense as a whole, they, they've still got to figure out ways to, to get to the passer, and that – was an issue on Saturday night, and we knew that it was going to be a challenge coming into the season. And uh, when, when T.J. Sanders goes out like he did, and he's been probably their best pass rusher, uh, and, and you don't have him in the second half, that's that's going to mean something. And yeah, I, I, you know the the secondary had its issues against Mississippi State with a handful of big plays. Uh, obviously, they were a little bit better the other night. Um, you know, they got beat on some slants, but. You know, a lot of those were guys who were playing up in, in, in the receiver's face and just got beat to the inside. So, I, you know, there have been criticisms here and there, you know, throughout the course of the season, some of which I, I kind of alluded to just with what I was saying. But, you know, for me, it all boils down to, to being able to, to be better at the line of scrimmage. 
whether it's trying to stop the run or, or getting after the quarterback. And, and we saw saw those issues kind of come to a head the other night, and and they still need to to be worked on and, and ironed out and improved upon moving forward. That's that's what it comes down to in my mind. Hill, uh, you know, you look on offense, and I saw that uh, you know you asked Beamer specifically about the third down call. I guess it was third and one up to up the when Juice went up the middle. I think everybody'd be pretty happy if they never saw Juice get the carry up the middle or Juice Juju 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 up the middle again. Um, I sort of think the the mistake that's being made is that they they sit there and kind of clump him in with the other backs because that's what he's listed as. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think you can go, okay, Juju, you had a good week of practice, so now you're number two and he's number three or, you know, whatever, and just, just run him in the general flow of your offense. I think I think you have to account for him and what he can't do as much as what he can. I'd like to see him with some more outside carries and, and, and ability to get him in space because I, I think that's his ball game. I think this has been his ball game. I don't think he's a guy – I know maybe – couple times in practice, he may have busted. And I know he did and as a true freshman. He busted one up the middle for a touchdown. And I get it. When you're going tempo and the other team's not set, uh, Juju squirts through there. I mean, it's probably a touchdown. But, man, oh, man. I mean, you know, I just uh, – I understand the frustration there. But what, what was your talk or what was your thoughts about, you know, kind of the answer that was given and, you know, starting with the running backs, you know, what would you do to kind of to fix that spot or at least – put a little band-aid on it until you get through this season and get some more guys in here. Yeah. I, I didn't ask that question specifically. Um, oh, but, but yeah, uh, I, I think I agree with what you just said about Juju and, and how he's probably going to be utilized the best in, in some of those types of ways. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would, would have liked to have seen Mario Anderson under the carry on joiner there. And then, you know, the, the answer uh, the, the chain had about trying to go up tempo and, and catch them. I get it. Like that's a thing that you do sometimes, but it, it also kind of goes back to the point that you made JC of, of he's not quite the same type of running back as, as those other guys. And, and you can't really, in my opinion, count on them in, in those types of ways when it's a short yardage situation, you, you've got some better options, Anderson or Joyner. Maybe even DJ Braswell because he's a bigger body, and probably faster. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I would like like to see somebody else in that situation for sure. I, uh, I don't know. It was it was a head scratcher. Uh, the the other head scratcher uh, on third down was that third and twenty two. I did ask about that after the game on Saturday and uh, why they decided to drop back and pass on third and long and. Uh, you know, set up the pick six as opposed to running the ball. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I, I just that that's just again just a, another decision from that game that uh, that certainly merits criticism and question and something that uh, you know we we've seen in the past and, and putting Juju in those types of situations and and ultimately them not working. I mean, if he was. If he was like AJ Turner, remember AJ Turner and how good he was on third down in those short situations. Like he was not a big guy; he was a little bigger than Juju. Yeah, but certainly not a big back, but he could pick up a a, a short yarded situation and get you a first down. 
And and if if Juju can do that, then nobody's sitting here questioning that. But we've seen it time and time again that it it doesn't work. And it, I don't know. It's just a head scratcher that uh, regardless of, of what you're trying to do, what what trying to catch him with tempo, uh, you know, that's probably the last defense you're going to be able to catch off guard by running tempo, given yeah. the, what their offense does. So it, just bizarre. <laughs> Someone asked in the chat box earlier about Cameron Fountain switching gears to recruiting. Your thoughts on that? For those of you that don't know, he's the four-star Southern Cal commitment from Atlanta, mm-hmm. defensive end. Carolina desperately needs that guy um, if they can get him. Your thoughts on if they can get him? I do, and it's been really since a couple of weeks after he committed to Southern Cal that the door's been open and and – they haven't gotten him back on campus since then. And I apparently told Phil Cornblute that he was planning to visit for the Mississippi state game, but it didn't make it in. I, I don't know how last minute those plans were canceled, but uh, you know, that's encouraging nonetheless that he's uh, planning to visit or intended to visit. And that's something that, that we've known about for a while, like I said, and he still plans on getting back to Columbia uh, at some point this season for a game. And it's also worth considering that he's been to South Carolina a lot. He's visited probably five or six times and he hadn't been in since January. So uh, there's, there's reason to feel good about the potential for, for making that thing happen. You know, Auburn's in the mix too. And and we know what that can mean as far as going head to head and and trying to get a guy that's going to be a challenge. So let's, let's keep that in mind uh, in particular, uh, especially with this guy, I should say, is is who they're going up against. Uh, first of all, you got to get them out of that Southern Cal commitment, which seems like a, a distinct possibility. Then again, you, you got to go head to head with Auburn and and whoever else decides to to jump into the mix. I mean, hell, Georgia's hell bent on on signing every defensive lineman from from the state of Georgia now that they're not uh, handcuffed by that twenty five man scholarship limit each year uh i think maybe they're yeah i don't know i again i don't know if they're going after james pierce but uh but if, if they want to get in the mix uh i i wouldn't be surprised that's just me kind of speculating and all that i i don't think they were all that involved before he committed to southern cal but anyway you know tennessee's it was in the mix too and i don't know that they're again involved here right now but uh still got some work to do but uh at the very least, it's encouraging right now. Defensive tackle recruiting. Is it going to be portal? Portal. I was asked. Juco. Who knows? Maybe they'll try to flip somebody. I I, I don't know. What were you getting ready to say, Jesse? Yeah, that's what I, I – just I don't think they can afford to take any projects there this year. No. Uh, or what? I was actually told that. So, no, uh, <laughs> no, de- no developmental guys because they, they've got to have help. Um, guys like White and DeAndre Martin and, you know, Felix Hickson just aren't – they're just not there yet. I mean, they're guys that are going to be developmental and, and have to come on later in their career. And you start looking at it and, you know, Taka Hemingway and Boogie Huntley are kind of getting worn out. Elijah Davis is more of an end. Tua Azama didn't even travel. Gear is an end. I mean, you know, interior of the defensive line – you know, it's not necessarily – I mean, they're fine now with what they got, but don't you think 
you know, they, they some good things have to start to uh, start to happen uh, at that spot for the Gamecocks recruiting wise. Yeah, and if they do try to hit the portal, it's going to be a challenge because there just aren't a lot of guys year to year. Who knows what it'll look like this this winter? But if history tells us anything, it's that the competition is going to be fierce. And the level of player that that competition is fierce over isn't going to be too high. Like there, there have been guys like Stephon Wynn and Devontae Davis, who was here at South Carolina, who went to other places, and and some people got really excited them as being portal guys, and they're, you know, not really that good of players. Good, uh, <laughs> not yeah. that good at all. I mean, it's it's. Uh, it's, it's a position where if you're really good, your team is going to play you a lot and going to do everything they can to keep you in school. And if you're leaving the school, it's because you're going to the NFL or you're out of eligibility. Like those guys aren't – there aren't a lot of those guys transferring uh, that you want to bring in to your roster. That's why it's important to, to hit on the ones that you sign or develop them uh, sooner than later. So it's – you know, somebody asked if, if Beamer – if we think Beamer is going to hit the – the portal they're going to hammer the portal this offseason yeah I'm, I'm sure they're going to try and i'm sure they'll get some guys but i don't know if there's going to be a, a frontline sec starting caliber type of guy in the portal for them to go get and if there is it's probably going to be somebody who a lot of people are going to try to sign so uh, it, that's that's a challenge and, and i guess a concern that you, you could say that as well it's it's, it's uh it's a struggle to, to sign really good defensive tackles from the portal. Absolutely. It's one of the hardest positions to sign. All right, Hale, man, you gave a good 30 minutes, dude. You're the yeah. man. Hell yes. Appreciate it. Hell yes. Uh, I know there's going to be a big yeah. group of visitors on campus next weekend. A lot of interesting storylines. Maybe maybe if we could if we could talk about them next weekend. Who knows what sure. we can talk about and we can't, what we can't. Um but uh, we really appreciate you joining us every week, dude. And uh, hope you enjoy the open date. You and the wife got any plans to go uh, do a charcuterie board somewhere, a little wine tasting, or uh, <laughs> I got got another, I got some one of your friends have a fall wedding. You got to go to what, what's on the agenda in the McGranahan household this weekend? Yeah, there will probably be some wine and cheese consumed. We're actually going to a party. Our, our buddy Darius is having a party down in Charleston this weekend. Oh. So we're going down there with some friends to hang out with Darius and and uh, some folks he works with. Beautiful uh, down in Charleston. Yeah, can't can't beat Charleston, man. Especially it's supposed to be the '70s this weekend. It looks like on the uh, weather. Uh, I don't know what it's going to be like up here. I talked to Chris Phillips earlier today. Uh, he uh, he's going to Beach Mountain. It's supposed to get in the '30s up there at night oh. this weekend. Beach Mountain, North Carolina. So, woo. Anyway. All right, appreciate you, Hale, as always, bud. And uh, keep fighting the good fight. And most importantly, enjoy your week off, man. I know how hard you work. Just I appreciate it. that. Have a great weekend. Have a few cold ones for me. Yes, sir. Y'all have a good one. Always a pleasure. It's the great Hale McGranahan right here. I'm J.C. Sherbert, Phil Mullinax today. J.B. is off. Speaking of Charleston, running around doing his thing. Uh, yeah, on assignment. On assignment. He's on special <laughs> assignment. Make it sound all official. Yeah. 
<laughs> want to say that uh, we are served by Chicken Cock Whiskey and Dixie Vodka here on the uh, Inside the Game Cast of Shell, also built by the Barn Doe Company. I don't have my Britons on today, but uh, go back and watch the Shane Beamer show because he had his own uh, over the weekend. We're dressed by Britons. Also, uh, want to give a special shout out to the Gamecock Traditions. I saw their, I finally drove by their new store, Phil. Uh, I didn't stop. I was on my way into the lake house, but you had to go all the way down 378. It's in Lexington. So that's where, if you're wondering where Gamecock Traditions is now, it's out in Lexington or out in toward Lexington. So, um, you know, we'll see sort of, uh, you know, we, we want you guys to all to go uh, patronize them, obviously. That was a terrible, terrible commercial that I just did. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm getting used to being back into the captain's chair. All right. We'll take a break. Um, Phil, could we maybe double up here? And, yeah, uh, yeah we, can, we can double here. And then I, I want to get, I wanna, I wanna get to all these chat box things uh, and uh, – and uh, address them because there's a lot of good. There's actually a lot of good stuff in the chat box today. Uh, the Nana's Ports, the award-winning Nana's Ports chat box, by the way. Nana's Ports, where you get the pimento cheese. Um, all right, so double break here. Going to be back. Got some nil questions. Got some Mario questions. Mario comments. Nick Harbor. Of course, there's a lot of bitching about coaching, guys. You're not going to hear me say much about that. Uh, I just, you know. If there's something that's really drastically wrong with the coaching, I think you guys, after hearing me talk about Satterfield uh, all year last year, uh, I think you'll hear me say it. Uh, and, and look, there are some things that that are, you know, need to be cleaned up in that end, especially especially on defense. But you're, you're not going to hear me get all over um, very many coaches uh, here or, or very many aspects of the coaching. Uh, things because some of this stuff, it's just like, it's just, it's, it's, we're all kind of panicky because it's they're two and three right after September. And it's just grasp, it's grasping at straws kind of stuff. And, and I'll explain that when I get back. So um, I'll be back uh, to answer your questions in the chat box to address those and to talk to Phil a little bit, get Phil's take on some things. Uh, and don't forget power hours coming up with Mike Morgan right here on inside the game constant show. We'll be back. And uh, after these messages. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say. And so does the Barn Doe Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. Hey everybody, this is Mo Copper from Carolina Football. The show is painted garden and black every day by a couple of painters. Go to letmepaintsomething.com to check them out. 
Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. Welcome to TravelingCountryClub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to TravelingCountryClub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. See it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Cold Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight out the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nana'sPorch.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast, the char level. We use a number three level char. If you char it too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is.
hard into a Tuesday here, dude. Just uh, taking a look at the app there at the Chicken Cock Challenge. Making myself a bit thirsty. But I noticed that we still have some entries coming in on that. So congrats, everybody. Chicken Go get you a bottle yeah. of Chicken Cock bourbon. Good stuff. I didn't realize they've got some other stuff than just like the regular bourbon rye or the oak aged. I don't know. They've, they've got quite the selection. I was a little impressed, but one of them's a bit out of my budget, though. I mean, at least for drinks. <laughs> Phil and I threw an awesome lake bash this weekend for the game, this past weekend at Lake Murray. I went to one of the liquor stores out there, and they didn't, they didn't have it. So I was like, well, you better get it. The dude tried to argue with me. He was Russian. It was interesting. I was like, Listen, there's more life than vodka, bro. <laughs> Anyway, hopefully they get it. Everybody needs to call that liquor store and you know be like, "Hey, all right." So Jonathan asked in the chat box, "Phil, can you elaborate on what do you mean when you say Harbor isn't ready? It's a poor route running, not understanding play calls, ball, not that." So that's all of the above in a certain certain way. Let's explain this. You have athletes and you have football players. Okay, you you can't expect a guy to just add water and go be a football player at this level. I mean, he's played the game in high school, but, you know, learning a new position and then getting behind like he did in the preseason uh, is, it was critical. And, and, and you have to understand too, in, during, when you're in season, that the developmental time's over, right? Uh, you're still coaching guys up. You're getting guys practice reps, all the reps they can get, but you're getting ready for the game. You're running against scout team. You're going over what's in the play playbook that weekend, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you're getting your starters accustomed to what you're going to do during the game, that kind of thing. You know, people don't understand this either. Like Jake Bentley, when he took over, and I was, you know, had a talk with uh, someone that week after the UMass game, after he started that game and played well, he's like, kids had like four practices because he's on the scout team most of the year is the third team quarterback. So you just have such limited practice time once you get in season that when you miss preseason time it, when you're a freshman, it, it's it's critical. And so that put him behind. Uh, and, and what I was told the other day is like people, people look at Nick and they're like, well, he's an amazing athlete and he is. But when you're not sure about what you're doing, i.e. what route to run, what play to go, you, you're kind of feeling your way. It's like swimming. You know, you're you're not going to go as fast as you can. So he's no longer the biggest and fastest player on the field because he's not not there yet. Now Beamer's right; they need to play it more because that's the fastest way to get ready to play <laughs> is to go play in a game and get reps. And he has been getting reps, but this notion that that's some kind of like coaching mistake because he hasn't been in there a whole lot or hasn't gotten targeted a whole lot that's 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 a uh, it's a pile of rotten tomato, pimento cheese, guys. Put it out of your mind. It, it's just, it's not real, reality. Uh, now, uh, will he at some point this year make a play and you all go, wow? Yes. But I don't want to hear, well, he should have been playing before because guys come on at different times. Keep in mind, Alshon Jeffrey didn't even play to the Kentucky game his freshman year at all. We didn't see him on that 0-9 team. He came in, and, and probably, honest to God, Spurrier Jr. should have played him earlier. <laughs> uh, that was for a little bit different reason. But in that offense, receivers, 
quarterbacks didn't really struggle to learn Spurrier's offense. Receivers kind of did because there were a lot of like option routes and things where, you know, if you run the wrong way, uh, your quarterback's going to throw it right to a defensive back. Y'all saw, saw that happen under Spurrier sometimes. You're like, where in the world is he going with the ball? Well, he's probably going where he should, and the receiver broke off around the wrong route. So I get it with that, but but Nick Harbour is going to be good. You just got to give him time. Um, and I just I saw this, you know, uh, you know whatever you see out there about oh he's not going to be happy. You better get him the you know. I, I wouldn't don't don't listen to that man. I mean that's just uh, Nick knows his family knows. It's not easy being a freshman. Um, I know nobody wants to hear it because all they see is like six five. 230, 244, one, or whatever he runs. But but he's not going to be that fast on the field. Also, what's going to happen if you throw him a pass, he fumbles or he's unsure of himself, he takes the wrong way, he gets hurt. You know, you have to you have to kind of remember these aren't robots. These are these are humans. And uh and that's what happens. So uh but he'll get there. He'll get there. And, and look, the open date's a good time because they do work with young players open dates. So maybe you get him you know, the three practices or whatever, I'm sure he'll get a lot of routes. No, and that's what I was going to say. Do you get the sense that from Beamer over the past couple of weeks that this two-week stretch here before Florida is going to give some of these younger guys opportunities during practice that will directly relate to game time? Yeah, and I think, Phil, that that's common. That, that's usually what you do during the open day. You practice the young guys. Uh, other guys kind of get some rest up a little bit, you know, that kind of thing. So that's it. So Gamecock Pilot comes to J.C. Hill. And Phil, do you think Beamer hammers the portal this offseason? They're not taking anybody else in the class unless it's a great high school player that can help them immediately or somebody from the portal that can help them. Uh, that's what I was told the other day. It's like they have enough developmental guys – on the roster now to where they need guys that can come in and play. And so that's, that's what I was told. Uh, Yoda says after a whopping three defenders from the portal this year, after what we lost and one injured one, not playing uh, one got here the week of, we have to utilize the portal correctly. What do you want them to do Yoda? <laughs> I mean, look, the, the portal's about money. What do you want them to do? If there's and no they money, went hard after a defensive end player that the uh, <clears throat> university said no to. Remember. Yeah, 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 that that bad situation. So, I mean, what do you want to do? <laughs> I just, you know, things like this are like, you know, whatever. Our depth at running back is inexcusable. Now, that that could be a different story. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to hold back on that. That That is inexcusable because you can find running backs – that are serviceable, uh, and, and that's not the only problem there. The other problem is how many guys out of that room have left before their eligibilities expired, whether that's through the portal or, um, you know, to the NFL early, which, you know, with a running back, NFL, shelf life, that kind of thing, sometimes it's best if you can't improve your stock any. Like Kevin Harris is probably always going to be about a six-round draft pick. Uh, then you Then you just go. You know, because because you don't have that much time uh, in the NFL if you're a running back. But you know, guys leaving right and left through the portal, guys that have promise like Rashad Amos leaving, even Deshaun Fenwick left on these guys. Now Deshaun left kind of early, but they could have used Deshaun Fenwick this year, don't you think? Yes, yes. Um, 
and and then nobody coming in. I mean, it's one thing to have a revolving door, but another thing when you can't get anybody in, portal or otherwise. So I don't know. You know, I, I think running backs a different situation, but they, you know, as far as the overall portal effort, nil, bro. Uh, Craig says, does Ingram Dawkins even get on the field at Georgia? He would start here all day long. He's hurt right now. I think he's out for the season with a foot injury at Georgia, but he was going to start this year for them. I don't know what his future holds, uh, but certainly if he does, if he did transfer, I think the Gamecocks would be obviously, uh, you know, the right destination. Why is it taking until five, week five to use Mario Anderson? Well, it didn't take the week five Yoda. They carried the ball 26 times in week four against Mississippi State. Um, John says, was it worth running Mario 25 times a game knowing he may get several two or three yards of knowing he could break a big one? I don't think they need to run the ball and force the issue running. I think they they can, they need to go and, and admit who they are, a pass-happy attack, and run when they can. I mean, I think that's that's the answer right there. And, and look, if it's only one running back getting carries, fine. If it's Mario Anderson and Spencer Rattler in the stack column rushing the ball, fine. I wouldn't mind seeing a couple of reverses and stuff, but but who do you do it to? Because Juice is out. Amari has a hamstring issue. I mean, who who, who gets that reverse? <laughs> don't say Nick Harbor because you don't want a six five guy on a he's going to get cut in half by a defensive back. <laughs> right, no. Or 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 he'll go all the way for a touchdown if it's wide open. Pilot <laughs> asks JC, how's Carolina Rise looking as far as growth on a glide slope? It's it's uh, it's growing. It's not enough. It's growing slowly but surely. Uh, I think. Uh, but there's some, there's some stuff coming down the pipe with that. I mean, I spent all week on it last week. I'll talk about it later. Um, the, the only thing about NIL is spread the word. Tell as many people as you can. There's a big need there. Uh, I, I choose to focus on a positive outcome in all this uh, rather than, oh, man, it's going to be tough. You know, beating people's heads up about, oh, why don't you give and join and all that. Uh, that's no way to do it, but, uh, it's, yeah, it's, and don't it's forget good. we've got the Jeff and chase from park Avenue on tomorrow. 1205. Oh, yeah. Y'all submit your questions, send them to inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com or use the chief app via the connect tab to send in your questions, anything and everything you send for park Avenue. We'll uh, try to get them to answer if they really want this to be kind of a, a you driven experience. Tomorrow. Yeah. We'll get it there too. But yeah, Ferguson said that, that people were discounting the long run. Well, yeah, I mean, if you take the long run away, he's got what, nine for 26? That's still not bad compared to some of the other stat lines the Gamecocks have had. Uh, I'm all for Mario Anderson getting the ball, right? And being the primary featured running back on this team. I uh, have been for a while. But, uh, I, I I still don't think you can go out there and try to give it to him 40 times and let him carry you. I think you have to have, unless the other team's just selling out to stop the pass, playing that like umbrella coverage, only rushing two, that kind of thing. And they, they get blocked up front, then he can weave his way through. Yeah, sure. You run it then. But, and a lot of those are RPOs. So I think the better he is and the more he's in there on those RPO plays, the better your chances are for success because 
he, he's kind of a, he's a bit more natural running back. You know, he, he's a guy that, uh, Hey, if you give him a favorable box to run in, he's, he can make things happen. So that's the deal there. Howard says, put the NIL to use for linemen. Forget about the other positions. Can't do that. Takes 11 on the field. People have all these ideas now. Uh, and when things get bad, this is going to happen. I'm not upset about it, but people are starting to talk about like where the NIL funds are being spent. Trust me there. There's no, there's no issue with that. It's, uh, you know, people that are making those decisions, including myself, know what the hell we're doing. I mean, it's not, you know, you, you can't, you know, you, you're not going to have a winning football program if you do things that way. Uh, and there's really no excuse not to have money for everybody. Right. So there's not going to be any like, Oh, because Carolina slack with NIL and I'm talking about everybody. Oh, well then they're just going to go all in on linemen. There's, there's not going to be that, that that's just, that's ridiculous. That, that's not a, that's not, that's not what's going to happen. And I'm not getting on you Howard at all. Uh, Cause I understand where you're coming from, but the answer there is to get enough to where, you know, this is a first class operation as it should be. Cause this is a first class fan base and a first class program. I mean, that that's, that's the bottom line. Just uh, 76 says, how did the Gamecock traditions and harvest and close? I think it was in the paper. That's all I'm going to say. I don't, I don't want to get into that. Um, John says, can I get JC and Phil's opinions on a certain radio show in the upstate that continues to compare Beaver to Muschamp, which I think is wrong. Phil? Well, I'll give you my opinion. I I don't listen to anything that comes out of that station. Like, and I, I typically don't deal in absolutes, but I never listen, nor do I ever click anything that comes out of that guy's mouth. So that's my opinion. I don't know what the hell he said. <laughs> Look, there, there's Not some a people. Fan. <laughs> that, that's called pushing a, a narrative. It, it, it's worse than a bad politician, right? Uh, because look, what, what's important in South Carolina? Winning big SEC games and beating Clemson. And, and Beamer's won more of those and beating Clemson. In two, in two years and some change. Will didn't. Wish he would have, you know. Nothing against Muschamp. Uh, I thought he did the, you know, the best he could. So, uh, I think it's stupidly ridiculous. And, I, and and the reason they keep hammering it is because it gets a rise out of people. Right. It gets right. a rise out of people. And, right. you know, then, minutes then, listening then the, big, the, the big gator homer he is, you know, um, he, what if people were calling after McIlwain won uh, back-to-back divisions or after Mullen won the, the it was like, same as Will Muschamp? Because you know why? Those two situations ended the exact same damn way. Mm. Muschamp, mm. McIlwain, and Mullen. So, I mean, that's how stu- – I, I would feel like a moron if I sat there and said all of those tenures at Florida were the same. They weren't, but they ended the same. Nothing's ever the same, folks. Nothing's ever the same in this game, week to week. Howard says, how do you, do you use NIL for Daniel Hill or quality linemen? Linemen bottom line. Howard, South Carolina's recruiting – the best it ever has recruited on the offensive line. Okay. They don't have a running back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> l- let the pros handle this, okay? I mean, I- I- I'm with you. 
get as many quality linemen as you want, but it should not be an either or. Period. No, the system uh, should be, you know, adequate enough to support both. That's that's how winning is done. <laughs> that's how winning is done. <laughs> that's how Darius winning says, is should done. Luke Duddy be played over Eddie Lewis or Nick Harbor? I can. I think they need Eddie Lewis. I don't know what's wrong there. I mean, he has a great game against Furman. He did some good. He did, carried, caught a nice pass against Georgia. Now he just kind of looks like he's out of. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is there. I think he's a good playmaker. I could make a big case there. Nick probably not, because uh, I don't think. I think Nick needs to learn how to be an outside receiver and Luke's a slot. So. Once he learns how to be an outside receiver, then you put him in the slot. But you, I mean, you move him inside now. It's a whole different, uh, you know, situation. So, um, people calling for Clayton White to be fired is insane. Your head hunting linebacker tears his ace. So, mm-hmm. all right, Darius says he's six foot two forty. Put him on the field more while Juice is injured, takes pressure off the get. No, it doesn't because he's not that good of a player. Darius, he can't play right now. That doesn't take any pressure off anybody. There, there is it's nothing. Mm. That's not a decoy. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. Fast know. is one thing, but yeah, it's got to. You got to get him around. And I would imagine they're pushing like hell to get him up to speed as quickly as possible. That's the other side of this is where is he? Where is he? Well, I mean, you don't think they want that kind of talent on the field, (laughs) but used in an effective way as opposed to putting him out there and making him look like a bumbling freshman. How would the fan base react if he goes out there and looks like he doesn't know what he's doing? Yeah. (laughs) Imagine any, that. <laughs> any truth to the rumor, Oregon may be trying to get Harvard. No. Absolutely not. Uh, Xavier, I'll get to your mailbag questions. Did McLeod ask to be redshirted? I've not. No, nah, he played. He's played, I think. To Azama hurt or not breaking the two deep? I don't know what the deal is there. I know he wasn't playing all that hard, and they need him to play harder. So there you go. Um, D-line needs some help. Harvard played D-in in high school. What are the chances he alternates to help some on that side of the ball? He's probably not going to help there either. Um, Harvard's not playing D-in, blah, blah. Can someone get Whittle to help ask uh, Dowell why he refuses to max protect even after multiple sacks? Because that's probably not going to work either. <laughs> uh, Craiger says, can you comment on how Kentucky has stoops? Going four and twenty his first three years of the SEC, twelve twenty four overall. Smaller schools have to be patient; they have the right guy. Yeah, Stoops is in a bigger hole than Shane, but Shane hasn't been that bad. But you do have you do have to give him time. I mean, yeah, this talk about firing Shane Beamer right now is—I don't even understand it. Yeah, it seems a bit. Michael, so recruiting or NIL to fix both lines of scrimmage? Recruiting is NIL, bro. Brother, <laughs> same thing. They're it's a direct for the first time ever. You know, you know, our first time ever. Fans have a direct impact on that without getting in trouble. <laughs> so, you know, uh, so anyway, can we forfeit the season? Blah. <laughs> Macari Swain, Emory Floyd. Emory Floyd's playing some. Swain, 
I'll tell you what wouldn't be a bad idea that I will get behind. Put Vakari Swain, if Juice is out, put Vakari Swain on offense this year. Because he's like the fifth DB, fifth corner. Uh, yeah. and, and in the preseason, they said he's good enough to play offense. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing that. There you go. Fast, too. So, <laughs> anyway, so that's the deal there. All right, we'll be back. Mike Morgan, power hour coming up, power couple hours, more chat boxers, more good stuff, and we'll talk uh, talk pretty soon. Hey, folks, it's JB, and as we all know, it's football season. My favorite place to shop for myself and the family is Gamecock Traditions in Lexington. They have the widest selection of Gamecocks attire, plus all the cool accessories for tailgating, cooking, kids, shoes, hats, and so much more. Most importantly for me, you can order online at GamecockTraditions.com, and it's shipped timely to your door. I've been shopping here for years, and I hope you will too. Order online right now on the Chief Sports app. Go Gamecocks. Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in a plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured. They provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998. Or you can go to Elite Roofing. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. Settles in the pocket, launches one deep down the field, wide open at the 15, 10, 5, touchdown, touchdown Tampa Bay. It's time for Power Hour with Mike Morgan on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Looking deep down. 
field. Rolling now, throws it up in the air, and it is Saturday evening here in Bluegrass Country. Ahead to Buckman. Slam City for Ronaldo Buckman. The 20, 10, 5 touchdown. And to Frederick. Frederick. Lays it in at the buzzer. That's a win. Unbelievable. I don't believe it. Who starred with one pull up three. Good if it goes. He got it. He got it. He got it. Carolina wins. Havens gets it high and deep to right. Announced the, the golden tones of Mike Morgan here for Power Hour, 12.06 on a Tuesday. Time to do my best JB here, radio guy. Yeah. Inside the Gamecocks, the show, Power Hour with Mike Morgan, brought to you by the homely, yet wonderfully intelligent and adequate Brian Spencer and Palmetto Medicare. <laughs> <laughs> You're catching on, Phil. That's really good. Brian would love that introduction. For all your Medicare needs. Now's the time, y'all. What? I believe October 15th is the day. I don't know why I know that, other than the fact that I get calls on my cell phone. Yeah. Company called Senior Advisor. I am not there yet. (laughs) I was gonna say, Phil, you you look a lot younger than 65, but maybe you know somebody. Yeah. Again, as we always say with when Brian Spencer and Palmetto Medicare, you don't have to be 65. Chances are, you know, somebody around that age and you're exactly right. It's it's that AEP period that starts October 15th. So uh, Brian to be more. And he told me specifically, let the fine people of inside the Gamecocks know he'd be more than happy to talk with you and discuss it, uh, set up an appointment. He's there to help. And so am I here, uh, here to help guys. I mean, we're we're one man down, and it's a three hour tour. And I caught a little bit of the the tail end of the last hour. I always know when JC is just on on his last edge of patience with some of the texters. It's one of the most entertaining parts of this yeah. show. I didn't even want to interrupt this. I wanted I wanted JC to just keep having to read negative. Text after text after text and just roll his eyes. And I'm waiting for the one guy that steps on the landmine where JC just goes scorched earth and says, Look, Harbor's going to be fine. He's a five star, but not all five stars make an impact in their first five games. Chill. I was waiting for that. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. But we're not there yet. I have to ask, so. There's a reason they call them skill positions. <laughs> yeah, you can hear. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, do do people know how many five stars are just riding the bench right now? It's quite a few. Like, they, five stars just don't go on the field because they're really good athletically and like make a bunch of plays. That it doesn't it doesn't just work that way. Football is a development, and, and like if and especially Nick Harbor. I mean. Nick Harbour is not a uh, – wasn't a guy that was a five-star receiver. He's five stars as an athlete. That's so right. He, you know, he's primarily a DN tight end in, in, in high school. And you know, no offense to 
Washington, D.C. area high school football. A lot of great players come out of there. Carolina's done a good job of getting guys. But it's not Texas where you have a little bit higher level of coaching and a lot more resources in your program to have weight training year-round and practices year-round because of the weather and, you know, things like that. You know, you got to practice football to be good at it. And, and you know, you throw in the mix, mixed time. And, and, like, if he were just standing over there, you know, posing, looking like Nick Harbour, <laughs> it'd be one thing. But he is getting eight or nine snaps a game. I mean, he's yeah. getting eight or nine snaps a game. Beaver says he needs to play more well. Go out there and probably needs to stay after practice a couple of days this week during the open week, catch some balls, hit the jug machine, that kind of thing. So, uh, you know. You know, I, uh, I, I've made that the comparison uh, for Xavier will get to DK Metcalf, and I called some of DK Metcalf's games early on, and, and he was certainly not an impact player right away at Ole Miss. Um, there are other five-star guys that I've that I've seen that, again, it just doesn't, especially as you mentioned, JC. This is a this is a unique case of a five star guy. This was not like one of the most productive receivers even in high school, right? I mean, this is a guy that athletically, uh, track and field is almost where he was more proficient right off the bat. But that doesn't mean he can't turn into this incredible uh, player. It, it it certainly could happen. But it's not as if the coaches are like saying, "How can we?" How can we not utilize this guy in the best possible way? How can we completely shoot ourselves in the foot and take a guy that is bound to make play after play, but we're just not going to throw him out there to, to do so? I mean, clearly they, they know something about whether or not the guy is, is ready to, to do all that. And I get the frustration. The, the frustration, <clears throat> excuse me, the frustration starts to did a little Lou Holtz there with the fact that you don't have Juice Wells. And to say that Juice Wells would make an impact would be uh, – I don't think people are even stating it strongly enough because it's not just the fact that Juice Wells is Juice Wells, right? He came in as one of, expected to be one of the top receivers in the league this year. It's that you have another guy in Leggett. And if you, wa- if you go back and you watch that uh, game this past Saturday and the way they lost it to Tennessee and the offense clearly sputtering – Spencer Rattler was very upfront about this, and I'm surprised we didn't we we didn't see more of it before, and we're going to see a lot more of it, assuming he. And I know there's hope that he'll be back for the Florida game, uh, but let's just say he's not, or he's 10 percent as opposed to 85 or whatever. A team's just going to start rolling safeties over, and and it's it's a lot easier to take one wide receiver out of the game than some other positions. I mean, if you really want to. You're not going to shut Leggett down. He's going to get his, but he's not going to make. He's not going to be the kind of weapon he would be if you had Juice Wells on the other side and force defenses to play honest. And clearly, the defenses are not overly concerned about anybody else on the other side of the field. The Leggett is a complete, just difference maker, matchup nightmare. Very few teams have two of those, and Carolina's one of them without Juice Wells. Now, when you throw Juice Wells out there. That's a different deal. The offense could start humming again, even with a serviceable at best running game. So, um, I I just the the Juice Wells thing is like it was a story early on, and then I think a lot of the like national broadcasters just kind of became accustomed to not worrying about him because he's not going to play, so we're not going to talk about him. Uh, to me, it's a major storyline every time he's not out there on the other side 
of Xavier Leggett and and allowing Spencer Rattler to basically have both hemispheres of the field as opposed to, okay, I'm going to look at Leggett every time because I don't have a whole lot of confidence in, in anybody else. And when I do look at Leggett, I see at least two uh, defensive backs covering him, which makes life a lot more difficult. Oh, yeah, it's, it's football 101, man. You always want uh, – and, and, you know, Amari and Brown is that guy that could help, but he's also – you know, he, he got to play the other night, but he called a 44-yard pass, and uh, Amarian, if, if he didn't have a hamstring issue, that, that would have gone to the house. I mean, he looked uh, significantly slower, even though he's got quick enough feet and enough speed even injured to get on down the field and all that, you know, and – yeah. I, I think – and, look, I can't sit here and tell you Juice is definitely going to be back. I know they're hopeful. I know that the type of injury he has doesn't necessarily slow him down when he's out there, as we all saw against Georgia. It's just very, very painful if he aggravates it. I mean, you can't play I mean, because you're, you're in such pain. Uh, and so that that's the situation. I mean, you saw him against – first drive against Georgia, man, he, he, he looked like Juice Wells, right? Third and sixteen, he takes a screen and houses it. That's that's a big deal, because um, he's not only good at going up and catching these crazy balls, he's good after the catch. I mean, he's a guy that you know you, you need him. He can score from anywhere on the field, clearly. And, and then and you have, like Mike said, you have to take away the attention they're giving to get. And, and to your point, Carolina or Corey, can y'all agree that running a simple sweep route? Are you talking about a tall sweep to Nick Harbor? Uh, I think he's talking or, jet sweep or, or a screen play or jet sweep, something like that screenplay. See, the, the problem is not that, that they can't do that. He doesn't know the offense. It's that he's not comfortable. Play. He's not, he isn't, he needs time to get out there and play. That's probably what Beamer means by, Hey, we need to play him more because he, he's, he's, he's thinking. And it, just like a lot of people, like if you, if you get thrown into a lake and you've never swam, swam in that lake before, you're kind of worried what's at the bottom, what's in this water. But if you've gone out there and swam in that part of the lake your whole life, you're not really going to worry about it. You're going to swim a lot faster and freer. That, that's what I'm saying. He just he needs more reps, you know, practice or otherwise. And, uh, and so to put him in as a major part of the game plan, you know, probably, you know, you throw that screen and he get cut in half by a corner because he's hesitating and slow, you know. Uh, you, you run him on the jet sweep, he's going to get n- sawed down. I mean, yeah, give me give me a 6'5 receiver on a jet sweep, but unless it's blocked perfectly, and like this bunch, I don't think it will be. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a linebacker. I'm cutting him absolutely in half, like, like Edward Scissorhands. I mean, you know, I know it sounds great and all, because, oh, you, Everybody wants to see that speed, but he's not playing that fast right now. So he's not, he, he technically is not the fastest player on the field. Uh, and that's what I'm trying to. Yeah, trying no, that's to a great out. point. I mean, it, 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 it makes, I think we just assume too, that like, you know, these guys come to campus and they immediately grasp the playbook or that the only position that really has to learn the playbook that it's difficult for is the quarterback and, you know, you're a receiver, like how complicated is it? And, and I get it, like a jet sweep. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to uh, start off in the slot, let's just say, and then race toward the quarterback for a handoff and race toward the other boundary. But uh, 
you see like what I've noticed in college football uh, lately this year more than anything, like if you bought stock in pre-snap penalties, illegal formations, for example, not having seven on the line, like just stuff like that where you, as a fan you just sit there and you're like, don't they go over this in practice? They do. <laughs> of course they do. But again, you're, you're dealing with 19, 20-year-old kids a lot of times and – they get out there in front of 80,000 fans, or in the case of Saturday night, 101 or 102, and uh, things go sideways. You know, if you haven't, if you're not used to that, it's not high school. It's a, it's just a different deal. And you can, especially if you're you're Shane Beamer and your Coach Loggins and and this offense, like you just can't afford to have those kind of mistakes. Like you got to have all 11 guys at least know what the hell they're doing. They might not do it well every play, but at least. They know what they're doing, and you don't have a ton of mistakes. Like speaking of Florida, if you watch that Florida Kentucky game, Florida has the, the Billy, the wrath of Billy Napier. And I, I don't even want to entertain Shane Beamer. Um, if you think Shane Beamer deserves to be let go, you're you're on a you're on a different planet. Like I can't even I can't I, I can't find common ground with that type of logic. <laughs> the Billy Napier situation. Billy doesn't have the kind of wins that Shane Beamer already has. And Shane Beamer took over a much bigger mess than Billy Napier did in Florida. And if you watch Florida play against Utah and you watch him play against Kentucky, the sloppiness is unbelievable. 13 people on the field multiple times. 13, not 12, 13 in key spots. Uh, some could say it's better than Notre Dame putting 10 out there. But still, 13 people, not a good idea. The, the pre-snap penalties, one after the other, after the other, after the other. Uh, that is a different way of losing than what's going on in Columbia. It just is. I mean, Shane's beating the teams that they're supposed to beat, and he's pulled off a couple of mammoth upsets, and they never quit. I mean, they never, ever quit. They pull off, it seems like, one ridiculously good special teams thing per game. They need to start cashing in on those. Like when you get the when you get the brilliant fake punt and the pass to get, like you got to score points on that. That's a major backbreaking play for Tennessee if you cash in, but you don't. Just like on the onside kick against the Tar Heels, which was perfect. Like you couldn't have done that better on a video game, but then you don't score. Um, but no, I, I just to just to go back to that, like the way that they're losing games is they're losing to better teams more often than not. Uh, and we talked about it on the show last week. Tennessee, I wasn't worried about Joe Milton, and I I still don't think Carolina's worried about Joe Milton or those wide receivers, but the running game was going to be key, and they couldn't stop it. And quite honestly, only Florida has stopped it this year. Ironically enough, Florida couldn't stop Kentucky from running. So what does that tell you? We don't know. When it, when it comes to these middle teams, and that's where Carolina is in this league, Carolina's right in the middle uh, with Florida. With I, we'll see if Kentucky does anything against Georgia. Maybe I, maybe I downgraded them to middle, and they shouldn't be. If they beat Georgia, I certainly will change that. Um, but history tells us that game is not always uh, as competitive as you want want it to be. If you're a Kentucky fan, even during their ten win seasons, but the the middle teams, like anything, can happen on any given Saturday. That's when that cliche really comes in handy. On a regular Saturday where it's like a top five program battling uh, somebody that's mediocre, not anything can happen. More often than not, that top five program is winning. And you look at the teams at the top of college football now, and they're all the usual suspects, right? I mean, we 
we could have predicted most of these things before the year started. Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Georgia, Penn State. Again, most of these Big Ten teams haven't played anybody. Southern Cal still has no defense. Uh, and a lot of people were high on Texas at the beginning of the year and even higher after the, the victory against <clears throat> Alabama. So, But when you're a Gamecock team and you're in that next tier, like these are the kind of games you're going to win and lose. But it's not like the program is – is it anything but an upward trajectory, in my opinion, guys? I mean, J.C., you are as close to it as anybody, and you know every recruit coming in, which I understand it's a hell of a class coming in. And I look at the the ground, the solid ground this program is on, I feel a hell of a lot better in year two of Shane Beamer than I have in year two of a lot of other coaches that rolled through Columbia. Absolutely. I uh... Yeah, the, the Beamer talk's ridiculous, you know. And then, of course, it it always rolls back to Ray Tanner. Everybody's mad because they, they expect him to just stay in the dugout and coach baseball. And, you know, everybody wants to – I don't know. Well, I, I mean, that doesn't make any sense either. Like, he hired Shane Beamer when nobody else was going to at that point, and Shane has already won at Tennessee, a top-10 Tennessee. They, not, they snapped – in a way, you could make the argument they broke Clemson's back – and the Clemson still hasn't recovered from that home loss in Death Valley last year. Uh, they won a bowl game the year before that against the Tar Heels where they mm-hmm. or just blew them out and did their mayo bath, which I think is disgusting, but that's just me. Um, like, what What more did you expect in the first year and a half, excuse me, two and a half years uh, of Shane Beamer? What, what more did you really think was going to, to happen at this point? And by the way, Spencer Rattler, who everybody seems to love still, he's only there because of Shane Beamer. Yeah. That's why he's in Columbia. Like, he didn't grow up a Gamecock fan. He has no ties geographically to the game. He's there because of Shane Beamer. It's one of the few, like, NFL-talented quarterbacks the program's ever seen or heard of. <laughs> I mean, seriously, let's go back. I've, I've gone through the whole the whole list, believe me. And I've talked to a lot of historians. I worked with Tom Price for 10 years for crying out. Like, I know the history of quarterback play at that university, and I watched and covered a lot of them when I was there. Have you seen anybody with just the pure talent of Spencer Rattler? No. <laughs> not no. yet. Uh, I mean, yeah, Connor yeah. Shaw had the best career, but he, he, he doesn't, he's not as gifted as Spencer Rattler is. I get you. you know, Michael no, asked just still the way the ball comes out of his hands. I mean, yeah, it's it's unique for what we've seen. <laughs> Very. Yeah, you, you guys keep asking about the tight end plays. I'm, I'm just going to roll this by you real quick. Trey Knox is second on the team with 17 catches for 164 yards, and he's dropped. You know, early on he dropped about three or four, so he's been targeted a whole bunch, probably next to Leggett more than anybody, and. You know, if you want to make an argument, Josh Simon should get more time. I'm I'm kind of there with you. I don't know that I wouldn't run a little more 12 personnel, but there's no issue with the tight end play. I don't – I don't – our plays that they're dialing up, I mean, I don't know what you want them to do. Did, did you expect uh, – maybe this is part of the question underneath. Um, did you expect more out of Sanders – forget about the play calling – because I don't think there's a play-calling issue. I think that's been fixed this year. I think there is an issue of productivity, and maybe a lot of people thought Sanders would be a more impactful player than he's been. 
Would that be fair to say, or is that is that a stretch too? Sanders, who? Which one? I'm so, the tight end. Oh, Knox. Knox I'm sorry, and Simon. I'm, Knox I'm, and Simon. I'm, yeah. I don't know oh, it's okay. No, Sanders. no, no. That's, <laughs> hey, it's, there's a lot of Sanderses and Simon. Yeah, going yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get to Dion in another segment, or yeah, Wesley Saunders it, in another <laughs> segment. Wesley Saunders. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't uh, – I'm just like so, – so I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I think I could make a case for more Josh Simon, but I don't, I don't think I could – uh, realistically say they need to run more plays to the tight end, you know. Um, Xavier mentions this, and Mike, this is a good good thing to, to talk about it because of the different situations. <clears throat> you know, people expect more because of what Riley did at Southern Cal. You mean like how he fixed their defense and lost to Utah twice last year because yeah. they were more manly? Yeah. I... Uh, or uh, another thing is Legan Riley, but he's about to finish fifth in the Pac-12 if they don't fix that side of the ball. Uh, right. Elko at Duke, Riley Ferguson, I mean, I, you know, hats off to him. But, I mean, Duke's in the ACC, folks. Uh, you know, South Carolina arguably in year two beating top five Tennessee and top five Clemson. That's similar to what, you know, Elko's been doing up there, I would think. Yeah. I mean, Mike, and, Mike, your take on that because that's, uh, that's a broad picture one. Well, look, I, I like the point that Xavier's making. I'm going to disagree with a lot of it, but I, I – I think he speaks for like a common reaction. What a lot of fans have is they see something that became successful really quickly and they're, and they're immediately conflated with, okay, well, why is that not happening here? Well, first off, I mean, Lincoln Riley's working with the number one pick in the draft. Okay. He's going to go down. He's the reigning Heisman trophy winner. And he's going to go down as one of the highest rated quarterbacks in the draft in a while with all due respect to Spencer Rattler. That's not Spencer Rattler. Uh, Spencer Rattler is a different tier than than Williams, and Southern Cal has about 100 years of tradition where they now, with that coach, are going to get their pick of the litter in quarterbacks and wide receivers, both the recruiting and the portal. So I don't know if Southern Cal is a great analogy. Uh, Mike Elko, I mean, again, I've said it before, I'm very high on Mike Elko. I think he's done an outstanding job, but – they don't have a win like the 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 win against Tennessee or the win at Clemson. I mean, they've they did a uh, they 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 beat Clemson this year. I, I think Clemson was a better football team last year. I think I think Clemson's gonna Clemson could have a lot of things go south this year. We'll we'll see how that works out. Um, so I mean, Elko's a great story, and I don't know how much longer Duke can keep him. To be honest with you, but I wouldn't say that like Duke is all of a sudden this factory. And again, I, I don't like playing conference superiority, but there's no comparing the grind of the SEC uh, to the grind of the ACC or lack there. There's just not. I, I, so I, I give me an SEC coach. Like a lot of people would have said would have said a couple years ago, look at what Sam Pittman's doing at Arkansas. Why can't we do that? Right? Like I could have I could have bought into that. But now Sam Pittman, Arkansas fans want him fired. <laughs> right? Like that just shows you how quickly things can change in this conference because it's just a it's a never ending beatdown and it's unforgiving. Absolutely unforgiving. And you're seeing that right now in Fayetteville. Oh it is. Uh, absolutely unforgiving and of all the people we talk about situations that uh, they took over, Sam Pippen took over 
mean, my God. Don't uh, the Chad Morris. I mean, uh, the Chad Morris era at Arkansas oof. was a disaster. It was bad. Uh, but you know what? Sam Pittman hired two really good coordinators. And that's right. A lot of, it won games. Well, then one, one of them's U, gone. One, two of them are gone. One right, both of them are U, gone. You're right. Barry Odom went to UNLV, and uh, everybody got upset about Kendall Browse because when KJ Jefferson got hurt, they, uh, you know, they couldn't, you know, they didn't move the ball as well. So he's at TCU now, and they went more pro style. And that's not KJ Jefferson's game, folks. And and it, it and and they're still okay on offense. Their defense has been an issue, but I mean, you, le- you lose a guy like Barry Odom, coordinator wise, and, and yeah. You know, you're not going to catch lightning in the bottle again. And so that that's the problem there. Um, uh, Justin, yeah, end of rounds with Harbor. What if he fumbles? And again, to, to, to successfully run the end of round, you have to be, when you get the ball as a player, you have to be running at full speed wide open. When you are not an experienced player, you are not going to do that and you're going to get destroyed in the backfield. And then that's when you fumble or get hurt. Uh, you know, Justin, these are great ideas. I'd love to see them happen. Uh, dude, I would, at Florida, against Florida, if they run an end around at Nick Harbor houses, boy, that's exciting. I'm all for that. But I'm trying to explain why. I mean, look, coaches aren't idiots. They're not sitting there at practice going, gosh, why didn't I think of that? Nick Harbor on an end around. Boy, this could change the game. It's not. It, he's just, they're like, Nick Harbor on an end around. That could be a nightmare. Because he's not playing fast enough. He's not playing fast. He is fast. He's not playing fast. There's a difference. Love you guys. Anyway. Do you remember <laughs> um, there was there was a – oh, go ahead. I don't mean to interrupt you there. Nah, I'm, I'm done. Go ahead. All right. I was about, to, I was about you, to take us to break since I'm such a good point. Yeah, guy. we are over. I was just going to throw one other guy. Like, You remember what a freak Kyle Pitts was at Florida? Oh, yeah. uh, and and a top ten pick with the Falcons, which which they may or may not be regretting, as well as Desmond Ritter is not an NFL quarterback. <laughs> they spent a third rounder on him. That's why the Falcons are the Falcons. But Kyle Pitts didn't like turn into a freak his junior year at Florida. He arrived on campus as a freak. I don't know if he's like Nick Harbor freakish, but he was a freak. He was an alien. By the time he was a junior, nobody could cover him. I mean, that twenty twenty season, he had like a dozen touchdowns. 50 grad, like nobody could guard him. Well, his freshman year, he caught three passes. His sophomore year, he had uh, five touchdowns. It didn't happen right away is the point. Like, there's a lot of physical freaks that come onto college campuses at 19 years old, and they don't just get on the field and magic happens right away. So, Xavier Leggett's been that way. You know, I mean, and, and right. look, and look I, I, I know everybody loves recruiting rankings and, and by God, I made good living doing it now, but look, man, too many people are married mentally to those. Okay. Uh, so, so where would you rank Xavier Leggett now? One of the best receivers in college football versus when he barely got four stars and thankful for Charles power for doing that. Cause he's the one that did it uh, coming out of high school as a high school quarterback. It, it'd be different. Well, you know, with Harbor, he got a lot of offers and hype, and he's got the track thing, and so people see him, and he's more visible, so he got the higher rating. And I'm not saying – I mean, Xavier's had a tough time with injuries, right, by the way. He's – he's uh, and as a true freshman, uh, I'll remind everybody, he called a touchdown against Vandy, and he did some nice things. But, you know, 
it may be that Harbor needs time just like Xavier Leggett, just like everybody else. I mean, it's not uh, it's not add water, you know, here here's player add water when you get those five stars by your name. And really, at the end of the day, there'll be no difference between Xavier Leggett and Nick Harbor in the NFL. Xavier may be better. So bottom line, you know, don't don't stay married. I mean, you can stay engaged to the star system. You can you can date the star system. You can you can have a star system as your mistress. You can be in love with the star system and have a wife and kids at home. And go see her secretly. You can be like one of the coaches in Alabama that coached high school football and have a secret family with the star system and then your own family at home. But don't stay married. Don't stay married to it. Don't get married to it. I never bought the star system anything. I we hung out, but I knew not to invest heavily in her. There were red flags all over the place. Ooh. But we had a good time. I think I should leave it at that and we should take a break. What do you say? Let's do it. All right. Time all out right, here. Let's take a break. Let's do it. Back with more after this here on ITG. Down here in the South. We don't always see eye to eye. Well, our taste in college football teams or what song? Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how bourbon whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Sear Foss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. Hey everybody, this is Mo Coppa from Carolina Football. The show is painted garden and black every day by a couple of painters. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com to check them out. Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. 
The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go game pops. Inside the game, guys. Show Power Hour. Mike Morgan, Phil Wallenax, JC. Sure, we're back with you. inside the game. That's the show. Yeah, we're back. What's all right, up? let's all do it. We're back. We're back. Guess who's back? Back again. So, uh, you know, uh, yeah, so we're back <laughs> inside the game, guys. The show. Uh, Chatbox continues to be interesting. Corey's talking about new defensive coordinators. I'm not there yet. I'm not going to do that five games into a season. I think we all agree that the the, the trajectory of the defense needs to change. Uh, they haven't given up yeah. less than 27 points in a football game uh, since Missouri. And in that game, they got behind 17 nothing because they couldn't stop Eli Drinkwitz's offense, which everybody else seemed to have no problem doing. Um they did only you know, the Clemson game was a good defensive performance. Okay, because Clemson scored nine with their defense, so they got twenty-one. You'll take that. But uh, I'm just not there yet. I'm not. It's the open week. Let them fix it. Let them see what they can do, and let's go from there. It's just not time to start speculating about Chris Hampton coming home as the new DC. Now, uh, what do I think of Chris Hampton? I, I think he's an excellent defensive coordinator, and he's an alum. He's done a good job at Tulane and Oregon, as Mike and I talked about yesterday on J.C. Morgan, which is a lovely podcast, by the way. He Fantastic first stuff. Show. Check it up. Check Oregon's it out, playing some defense this year. You know, they're doing pretty good shutting people down. I mean, Colorado hung, what, 41 on the Trojans? <laughs> no defense. They only put – they struggled across the 50 against Oregon. So, they well, go with that. I'm sure it's a little painful to, to watch Jordan Birch. I mean, he was he was pretty big in that game. Um mm-hmm. And he's going to be a high draft pick. Like he's obviously a talent. Uh, I know he didn't do everything that you would have wanted him to right away, but those guys are hard to just replace, right? I mean, that's. 
yeah. you, you'd like to be at the point where like if Georgia loses a Georgia Jordan Birch, that's okay. You got two more behind him. Um, but when I watch that defense this year, and the Carolina D is in the bottom of almost everything in the league. Like there is last year a different story, but this year they are there's there's just nothing you can hang your hat on statistically about this defense in terms of where it stacks up in the SEC. They're not getting the turnovers this year either. I mean, I know they had two against Tennessee, one early, which was good, but, uh, you know, and then it's like pick your poison. They're getting to either torched through the air, torched on the ground, uh, and all that good stuff. So, yeah, and Xavier, it's three seasons of the same thing, but, you know, he, they improved from tw- that 2020 defense with how many NFL starters in the secondary couldn't stop anybody. 2020 wasn't really a defensive year. So he did improve it in 21. I thought last year they were very opportunistic. That uh, I describe them that way. But you're right. I mean, we you expect improvement, and that's what everybody harps on is improvement. So, I mean, but I'm not ready to call for a coordinator change right now. I'm, I'm going to wait and see what happens. Do I have concerns? Absolutely. Absolutely, I do. Absolutely. And on Jordan Birch, you're right, Mike. I mean, you know, and then the two guys that got out of the portal to replace him, one had a – here we go again. Sounds like a broken record. Had a, an injury in a scrimmage, ankle injury, and he's just now working his way back. And then the other one didn't enroll until two weeks before the season and didn't even travel with the team. So, you know, the, yeah, that's the way it goes sometimes. <laughs> well, and, and you don't build up depth in two, three years when you inherited what Shane yeah. – did like you you can have star players at certain positions and he and he's had them during his time in Columbia right like there's been a stud there's been a stud DB here and there's been a stud wide receiver there uh and right now I would call Spencer Rattler a, a stud quarterback you've got a, one stud wide out and maybe another when Juice Wells comes back hopefully 100 percent but there's clearly holes on this team there's holes on the offensive line. There's holes in the backfield. There's holes, a number of them on defense, and not a whole lot of depth to back up those holes. That's the thing. That's the difference between South Carolina and other programs uh, in the league. Um, and really, quite frankly, and we'll get into some of this uh, in the third hour, definitely, when we go around the, the SEC and college football a little bit. That's one thing that Kentucky uh, – that Kentucky has done, they do have some depth. Stoops has been there 10 years. Uh, The bigger programs in the league, they always have depth. South Carolina, even under Spurrier, no depth. I mean, you can ask any coach on that staff. They go into a season thinking, all right, our top, you know, 32 can compete with anybody in the league. But if we have injuries, we're screwed. (laughs) I mean, think about those great defensive lines Brad Lawing had. Uh, well, look who subbed in for some of these guys. Uh, you know, uh, in, interior was like Aldrich Fordham. Good role player. You don't want Aldrich to be your starting D tackle. You know, Byron McKnight, you don't want him to be your starting end. You know, good role player, not a starting end. You know, uh, you, know you, you started talking about uh, – you know, linebacker spot. If something happens one of those years to like Rodney Polk or Shaq Wilson, that's eh, going to be interesting, you know. Uh, even in the defensive backfield, you know, South Carolina didn't have a lot of depth. So that, that, and that's the challenge here. That, that is a big challenge because not a lot of 
coaches have had the time to build it. You know, Spurrier wasn't a guy that necessarily focused on that in recruiting. Um, and, and you got to get there. And, and maybe it's, maybe it's a, maybe you'll never get there. Maybe you just have to go with, hey, we better stay healthy. You know, maybe you'll never get there. But that's the difference between the really the big programs in the SEC and the others is, is they, one, Georgia has, I mean, look at Georgia's injury list. It's double digits, folks. Hmm. They're like, ah, well, we'll just no point this kid. This guy can just go in there. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Be all right. We got so, Smile Munden just putting together a dozen tackles a, a night. We're We're good there. But, I mean, really – this is a, a little bit of an outlier because, again, Carolina's, statistically speaking, they're at the bottom uh, in, in virtually everything. Now, do I think the Gamecocks defense is better than Vanderbilt? Yeah, I do. Um, do I think Carolina's defense can, can play with Ole Miss? Yeah, I do. Heck, LSU has got a bunch of four- and five-star guys, and they don't look motivated to stop anybody, which is a problem in Baton Rouge. Um but there are Mississippi State. That's not a great defense. Like, there's a lot of teams in this league. For all the talk about how gritty, gutty, uh, strong, and powerful the SEC is compared to all the other leagues, there's a lot of um, defenses that are getting toasted. There was a um, a story written, and I can't remember who wrote it, and the headline was essentially the SEC is offensive this year, meaning the offenses are prevailing. The offenses right now in this league, the, the skill level and the talent level, the quarterback play, even going up against talented defenses, the offenses are prevailing. So, I mean, if an LSU can give up 700-plus yards in a four-quarter regulation game, um, that was regulation, right? That, that, that didn't go into yeah, overtime, didn't did it? Overtime, no. Yeah, um, I should know. I was, I was watching it. Uh you know, when when you're when you're watching, in Florida's got some talented guys. They certainly look talented against Tennessee. They couldn't stop Ray Davis when everybody in the Commonwealth knew he was getting the ball on virtually every play, and he still gashed him for two eighty. Uh, heck, Missouri, two eighty, two eighty. We won't talk about the Mo Williams game and the two ninety nine because that for those <laughs> older fans, that's mm. probably gonna. Ring a bell, uh, Mo <laughs> Williams, waves. the pride of Columbus, Georgia. I might add. Um, wow, but but I mean Missouri, like all of a sudden Brady Cook doesn't throw picks, just set an SEC record, and is like dissecting defenses. Does Missouri have elite offensive talent? I mean, they got a really good player in Burden, and they've got a quarterback who's. I don't, I'm not going to say managing the game. I know what that implies, but he he's playing solid ball. Do I think Brady Cook is a great quarterback? No, but they're putting up points. So the point is, is that there's not a lot of great defenses in this league this year. Quite honestly, I mean, there's a there's a couple at the top, the usual suspects, Bama uh, and Georgia. And then I don't know, like who's the third? Is it A and M? We'll find out this Saturday. I think A&M's getting a lot better. Uh, you know, it's hard to say A&M when you – last time they – and I, I don't know if people just ignored the last two weeks beating Arkansas and Auburn or not, but, uh, you know, I'm looking at it and I'm like, well, you know, A&M on defense, that they've, they've come a long way. Uh, it's crazy they're not ranked either, by the way, this week. I, I don't understand that, but uh, – you know, since that Miami last time, last time we checked in on the Aggies in Miami, you know, it was it was ugly. 
Well, since then, they've given up three, 10, and 22. I mean, it's yeah. not. And that 22, I think six came on a late touch. It was 34-16 against Arkansas. So they're, they're only giving up 253 yards per game, uh, which is a good number. Now, New Mexico has to account for some, and Louisiana Monroe has to account for some. And Auburn certainly is not what we call a juggernaut on offense. But, you know, I think too many people are focused on that Miami game and not what the Aggies are now. Uh, so I would say they're up there, Mike. But, yeah, you're right. Other than that, I mean, there's no great defense. Auburn's got a good defense. I'll say that. They they played against Georgia They and against A&M, really. They played their hearts out and played mm-hmm. good. They're, they're kind of yeah. a blue-collar defensive outfit. But, uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll see. Even And I'll tell you this, too. You mentioned Missouri. Missouri was supposed to be, like, a defensive-minded team this year. They're supposed to be – because they have a lot of talent on that side of the ball. They're probably top to bottom better there than on offense. But it just hadn't turned out that way. I mean, a lot of higher scoring type games and, and things of that nature. So, uh, and then they get to play LSU this weekend. So, if I'm on LSU, I'm a little concerned about that 11 a.m. kickoff in Como, man, because – Goodness gracious, things could things, well, they, this they, is things that, could go south in a hurry. Absolutely. <laughs> this is that kind of game, uh, and fans of LSU saw this not long ago with Ed Orgeron. What's your buy-in? If you're a defensive player on LSU, everybody's told you you're now done. You're not playing in the playoff, and you're not going to be in Atlanta for the SEC championship. So how much do you still care and love playing for the love of the game and maybe earning some of that NIL money. You can now throw that in in today's day and age of college football players. You know, how much how much buy-in is there? And I've talked about this a, a time or two about certain programs that love the oh, they got swag, swagger, swagger, swagger. Look at them. They're, they're doing they're dancing and they're pointing and they're taunting and they're talking. And then you lose a couple of games, that swagger just goes the air goes out of the balloon. And all of a sudden, they not only do they not have swagger, they don't have heart. And that's what that's what this game is for LSU. It's a heart check. It's 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 a heartbeat check. You're you're breaking out the EKG, and you're seeing what they what they have there because they could lay down. It's happened. We've all seen it happen, man. Things these aren't pros, and they're not worried about. Well, if I if I just give up, then the next team's not going to want to sign me in free agency. Even though we kind of have that now in college, college kids, especially if it's their. Mike, uh oh, Mike hit the mute Lost button. Mike, yeah, hit the mute button. Unmute. <laughs> now he's not muted, but the time mic's for, off. Good time for the second break, right? Yeah, yeah let's hit a and break. He, he's, uh, he's in the middle of a great point too. I, hate I know that. it's always you know. By, right, by, I, right. by the way, <laughs> speaking of Missouri, they also have a Division two transfer running back that came in last year, Cody Schrader. Uh, averaging 5.7 yards per game, uh, per uh, carry this year, mm. 463, three touchdowns. So there is hope uh, for of Mario Anderson, right? All right, we're going to take a break now and be back right now inside the Gamecocks show. Don't forget, we're a three-hour tour now at Gilligan's Island, so more That's Mike, funny. more Phil, more JC on the other side. But take our last break of hour number two right now. We'll be back on the other side after these messages. <laughs> Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. 
And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Not today, sweetie. One heart's breaking while another one is mending. It's all in the ebb and flow. If I had to, I could go it alone. Because you've become my home. These windows could shut into the ground. These walls could fall right down. It's now time to take a drive around the SEC. Sponsored by Love Chevrolet. No hassles, no all-day runarounds, no ridiculous add-on stickers. At Love Chevy, buying a car is fun. South Carolina's number one volume Chevy dealer. I-26 at Harbison and at lovechevy.com. Find new roads. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Everything I'm clicking is running slow. Not that I, you know, try to hide everything that's production wise from everybody here, but my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> everything is freaking laggy today. <laughs> All right. It's one of those things. Drive around the so SEC. No camera. <laughs> real quick, uh, so we got four minutes running up against it. Mike. Texas A&M and Bama all of a sudden almost like thrust back into the spotlight all of a sudden. Uh, talk about that game a little bit, your thoughts about uh, how this could shape the Western division. 
Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Yeah. Love it. Okay. We're going to... All right. We're going to kill the CBS music. We're going to get Mike oh, out and bring him back. got rid of Mike. That's all right. Let's we're get him back in. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's the fault that counts sometimes. I'll read um, it. I'm a, I'll read a mailbag question. How about that? Because the, yeah, the mailbag does Joseph comes in. He says, I'm really confused by our offense. Starting to wonder about Dowell Loggins. Concerns on your part. I think a good offensive coordinator would help mask our issues. I didn't see that. Uh, well, Joe, um, <laughs> Steve Spurrier is a pretty good offensive coordinator and when his lines were like they were, they are, they have been. He didn't score any points either. In fact, he scored less than less than uh, Dowell did. So um, I, I don't know that I agree that a good offensive coordinator can have this uh, crazy great offense without uh, without a good line. Um, you know, and last year uh, I thought you know, the line with Jalen Nichols there and, you know, some other guys they had, I thought the line was good enough for them to be better. And and, and that's true. I mean, you, you had a guy and you had Wanamaker last year. who was at full strength. Obviously he's not the same player right now. Weight loss, whatever calls that, whatever, you know, you, you had a good center in Eric Douglas that was serviceable, you know, really you had a lot of veteran guys last season and they were just confused because they were asked to do 20 million different things. This year, it's more of a function of inexperience and talent. Um, and the, because it's clear that the better guys up front are your freshmen. And, and so that's hard for anybody to call plays with. And it's like, so I don't, you know, now what would I've liked to have seen him maybe yeah, I think if, if I have an issue with the offense right now, it's like, just just be who you are. You may have to drop back and throw it 50 times to win. Just do it. Run it selectively. You found an answer at running back, it seems, and Mario Anderson. Uh, ride him a little bit. But, but man, just be who you are. Uh, eventually, you know, if, if you know with RPOs and stuff, it's designed to where if Rattler's making the right reads, you know, you're taking advantage of it. I mean, that, that play where – Anderson ran for 75 yards. That was a nice, that was a really good play. They had a motion, a little motion on, took the linebacker out of the gap. It was an RPO. He gave it to Mario and it was a touchdown. So I don't, I don't really, I think we're all too quick to jump on coaching at times, unless you see something egregious, which is what happened the last two years. I mean, you kind of knew it from, uh, you know, Juice Wells catching what nine balls for under 90 yards, then not get a target the next week. That, that's not happening now. Now was getting the ball in the hands of his playmakers. So that's it. Yeah, All right. And not paying lip service to it. That's Did we get, let's check, let's do a mic check with Mike. Real we quick. Mike? Mike check. Mike, Mike check. Mike's back. All right. So, so uh, we, we, we'll, we'll skip the intro music going yes. around the SEC next hour. and go right to around the SEC. I teed up Mike Boom. with, uh, with a very, we good do have question. music. We do have music. So, uh, it'll some, yeah. And that'll yeah. work now. I have no idea what Phil has selected. It could be, you know, Wang Chung for all I know, but he's got something. Yeah. And also the chat box says personnel usage. <laughs> all right. So what, 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 let's talk about personnel usage. Are we talking about running back? Cause I can, I can beat, I'm down with that. Talk about Josh Simon, maybe a little more target. I'm down with that. 
I don't know about any other personnel usage issues, though. Uh, so anyway, uh, but but I'd like to hear what you think, Austin, because I respect your opinion. And I'm curious about that. But like, anyway, let's go back hit the top of the hour break. Back for hour number three right here on Inside the Game Concert Show. J.C. Sherbert, Mike Morgan, Phil Mullinax filling in for J.B. on a Tuesday. It's not bingo night tonight because the ladies are in Jamaica. They usually do it, lucky ladies. Although it's 80 degrees in Chicago today, so that's uh, they're missing out. Anyway, we'll see you after these messages. Hey, folks, it's JB, and as we all know, it's football season. My favorite place to shop for myself and the family is Gamecock Traditions in Lexington. They have the widest selection of Gamecocks attire, plus all the cool accessories for tailgating, cooking, kids, shoes, hats, and so much more. Most importantly for me, you can order online at GamecockTraditions.com, and it's shipped timely to your door. I've been shopping here for years, and I hope you will too. Order online right now on the Chief Sports app. Go Gamecocks. Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998, or you can go to EliteRoofing.com. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today.
All right. right. Time for the drive around the SEC. Oh. I like Hello. it. Brad and Nessa. Go ahead. Who don't like it, I'm liking it. There's, a, there's an episode of J.C. Morgan where we interviewed Brad Nessler last summer. Oh, uh, yeah. It's timeless. He was Go back great. and listen to it. He was, he was, was pretty awesome. Oh, it was super duper. Yeah, that's a, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, cheap plug for our website, too, jcandmorgan.com. You can go back and listen to all the interviews. We had, like, seven quarterbacks that are really good and historic, many of them in the media now, like Greg McElroy and uh, others that uh, you might want to tune into. But that's also pretty timeless as well. All right, let's start off with a few bouquets, shall we, gentlemen? The SEC Offensive Players of the Week. We now do, like, two of them every week. Instead of just one, I don't know how that voting goes down. We'll have to count the hanging chads or whatever else is going down in Birmingham. But we got Jackson Dart, quarterback of Ole Miss, 439 total yards, five touchdowns against LSU. That's one of the best games you're going to see all year if you watched it. Uh, I guess by the time that ended, the Gamecock-Tennessee game might have been in like the third quarter. I don't know. It was a never-ending game, but it was a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, to watch, and it was the signature win that people have been waiting for Lane Kiffin to get, quite frankly. Jackson Dart was a big reason why. Again, five touchdowns. Ole Miss rattled off over 700 total yards in that game. Also, Offensive Player of the Week, another guy that uh, Gamecocks will see soon enough, Ray Davis. Got him in the portal out of Vanderbilt. 26 carries, 280 yards, three touchdowns. That's the third highest in school history, if you want to know how meaningless some of the stats can be this time of year, Florida entered the game 14th in the nation in total defense. That didn't look like a top 20 defense against Kentucky. And by the way, Kentucky still doesn't throw the ball well at all. Devin Leary has not been the answer at quarterback. Uh, but they're, they're going back to what Mark Stoops knows best. Ground and pound, play great defense, and they've got one of the best defensive coordinators, for my money, in the country in Brad White. Uh, the undefeateds left. Sometimes things just work out, don't they? You got Georgia and Kentucky are two and zero. Bama and A and M are two and zero. Missouri is one and zero. They'll play their second conference game against LSU, as we mentioned. That'll be at noon at three thirty. A and M, Alabama. This is the if not now when game for Jimbo. Okay, they're not going to just completely fall apart with Jimbo Fisher and the recruiting that they have and they're not going to go like 2 and t- 2 and 10 but if they're ever going to be that next level it feels like this is your grand opportunity it's at Kyle Field which you can see on the screen behind me uh it's against an Alabama team that still doesn't have great quarterback play and it's an A&M team that finally has some confidence and Max Johnson is not a major drop off from Connor Wegman he's just not he's he's actually a really good player That'll be, again, at 3.30 on CBS. Vandy, Florida at 4. If you're Billy Napier, if you lose that game, um, just camp out. Just camp out in the locker room for a while. Uh, Kentucky, Georgia, the other pair of 2-0 teams. That'll be 7 o'clock ESPN. Beck with his first true road game. Performed well enough to defeat Auburn in that ball game. If you had any doubts how good Brock Bowers is, just go back and watch the fourth quarter. Everybody in the country knew that's where Georgia was going, and he still had over 100 yards receiving. Nobody could stop him. He's a freak among all freaks. <clears throat> He's the best tight end in the country. And quite honestly, I don't think Georgia wins that game without him. 
Arkansas Ole Miss. That'll be the 7:30 kick from Vaughn Hemingway Stadium after they just paid a, a fine that they will gladly pay. How about my man on the goalpost doing a front somersault? Remember though, the crossbar is 10 feet high. Okay, it's like jumping off a rim in basketball, and you really have no idea what you're doing. And you try a front flip, and it, he didn't stick the landing. But man, he wasn't feeling any pain. Wasn't feeling any pain whatsoever, and got a lot, a lot of public. Like, I love to see that guy at a job interview a couple years from now. Like, aren't you the guy that did that front flip off the crossbar, and you were kissing the uprights, and you were drunk and high and everything else? And isn't that you? Yeah, that that was him. Uh, he's mom. Mom's got to be proud of the tuition that they're paying there. Uh, like in Oxford, kid that stormed the field a few years ago with his phone, and he's out there running with it, doing that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah but you don't make a name for yourself like that. Yeah. My, my, <laughs> we had a, we had a couple things. We had another video of an LSU player. One of the fans got stupid, and, and you don't get in the face of a player that just lost a heartbreaking game. I'm sorry. I don't feel sorry for you. He got he got laid out. Um, don't be an idiot. That's my like. If you're going to storm the court, if you're going to storm the field. I'm not anti that even though a lot of people are, but just don't be stupid. Just don't get near the opposing players, and you'll be fine, and you can still enjoy the moment. It looks great on TV. Don't be stupid. That is, as my, as my cousin likes to say, there's the world is great, but there's just way too many idiots and a-holes. Uh, if you're wondering where do some of the Gamecocks rank right now, Spencer Rattler is fifth in the SEC in passing yardage, 1,411. Want to take a guess who the top four guys are, Mad Dog, JC? Four guys ahead of Dart. Dart is one. Rodgers. Rodgers is not one, actually, in passing yards. Passing yards. Oh, Oh, Jane uh, Daniels has to be up there, right? Jane Daniels. Jane Daniels Daniels leads the conference right now. How about. He's number one. It's not Weigman because he's out. Uh. you it's got Daniels, you got Beck. I just gave away another one. De- Beck is actually yeah, second. Beck. That makes sense. Uh, Dart is third, and then Cook. Cook is oh. fourth of Missouri. And, again, he hasn't thrown a pick. And then there's Spencer. Uh, Xavier Leggett is third in receiving yardage at 606 behind Burden of Mizzou and Malik Neighbors of LSU. Those two, that's pretty good company to be in. Again, it's it's a loaded year for wideouts in the uh, – Southeastern Conference. And I'll leave you with this. USA Today, today, does anybody read USA Today anymore? It's, no. quite honestly, it's it's a pretty garbage paper. <laughs> but every now and then they come out with something. This, this is uh, their annual, and of course it's, there's always that, with USA Today, there's always that uh, political commentary that comes with any story in college athletics. So this is their way of telling you who the top salaries are for head coaches in college football with also like a twinge of, and of course they're making more than the professors. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's very, ne- if you read the article, it's very negative, but it does have some interesting numbers. The average power five coach now in college football is making over $6 million a year. Mark Stoops makes more than John Calipari. So basically, even the highest-ranked basketball coaches are now being trumped by football, regardless of where you are, what blue blood it is. 
that's just where right now Mike Elko would probably be saying, hey, I want more than Coach K if Coach K was still there. So of the top 10 highest-paid coaches in college football, gentlemen, how many do you think hail from the SEC? Eight? Very close. I would say seven, yeah. Seven is correct. Yeah. Uh, Seven is correct. So Nick Saban, of course, is number one. The GOAT makes 11.4. Dabo is two at 10.8. Then Kirby at three, 10.7. Ryan Day is four, 10.2. Number five is going to make you laugh. There's like one guy that just just simply like does not belong in this group. You want to take a guess? Somebody is it Billy Napier or no? Billy's not far off. Billy is sixteen. Sixteen. And, uh, and and right now every Gator fan can tell you exactly what his buyout is. It's about fifty million. It's not Zach Harnett, is it? No. 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 Zach Mississippi State doesn't shell out that that kind of coin typically. It's not non SEC now. Number five is non-SEC. This has got to still be our boy, uh, five-win Mel. Five-win no. Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker, five-win yeah. Mel. Now it's five-win major lawsuit Mel Tucker. Right. Mel Tucker this year was scheduled to make $10 million. Ten. Ten. Oh, my goodness, Mel. Uh, as they like to say, well, some people say it's undefeated. I say it's not undefeated. It's got a really good winning percentage. Uh, number six, <clears throat> back to the SEC, Brian Kelly, 9.9. Number seven, Jimbo. Jimbo, a.k.a. the buyout, 9.1. Another, the, the, the next three, eight, nine, and ten are SEC coaches. So we already gave you Saban, Kirby, Kelly, Jimbo. Which three SEC coaches am I missing? Kiffin? Kevin Beamer. Kiffin is 10, 9 million a year. Okay, so you're missing two on the board. Beamer, Drinkwitz, and uh Arnett. Because Clark Lee is not reported. None of those are eight and nine. You're you're oh. you're, you're missing I had a brain couple, issue. You there. missed a couple Hold pretty on. big ones. Although I think one would be surprised. Mark Stoops is eight. Josh Heupel would he be nine? And Josh Heupel I'm would be nine. Be, okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. So Stoops is making nine million and thirteen thousand, and Heupel is making a cool nine million even. Uh, if you go down further, Billy Napier, seven point two, he's sixteen on this list. Hugh Freeze, six and a half, which most people tell you is a bargain to get Hugh. That's number twenty. Sam Pittman, six pack Sam, twenty second at six point three. Mm. And Shane Beamer is 24th at 6.1. Beneath him would be Eli at 6 million. That's 25th in the country. And you can't find Vandy's because it's private. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Zach Arnett is somewhere down there, and I got to keep going. Zach Arnett is 58th at 3 million a year. So that's everybody with the exception of Clark Lee because, again, that's top secret information. So we, we don't know exactly how much Lincoln Riley makes. But we know he would be in the top ten. Uh, Marcus Freeman. I don't know what Marcus Freeman is getting at Notre Dame. We don't know, for example, how much Mike Elko is getting. Mario Cristobal of Miami. Um, 
or Sonny Dykes at TCU because they're all private institutions. Anyway, that is your uh, your financial report on college football coaches, and that is your SEC report. Brought to you by the fine folks at Love Chevrolet in Columbia. That's just crazy, Mike. It's like Shane Bieber is the highest paid coach in South Carolina football history. I mean that that puts it in perspective. You're absolutely right. Like yeah. he's making more than Spurrier ever did, and he's make. But if if you're like this was when I was hosting the post game uh, show, uh, which I needed a lot of scotch to get through some of those after a loss. Scotch, 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 yummy, yummy, yummy. Love it in my belly. I didn't. I wasn't familiar with you know the bourbon sponsor that we have now. I don't know if that was around back in the two thousands. <laughs> so so Mike works for ESPN and the SEC Network, and he's a bourbon guy. Yeah, he's, Big he's doing the connoisseur bourbon trail, married a girl from bourbon country. But when he's having to deal with the post game show for the Gamecocks, it's just straight scotch. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Strapped up to a bottle of Walker and let's do it. There, there, there was a sweet, uh, a sweet, a few doors down that we had access to after the game was over, and you know, post game, you got in. Somebody would go and interview the coach and do, and somebody would go over. Brent Johnson would go over the stats, and eventually they'd get to me and whatever former player I was with, and I was with a ton of them. Uh, to, to host the post-game call-in show. So I would usually do the game on TV, get up to the press box, and have uh, have just enough buffer zone to go into that suite and see what was in the cooler. And whatever you could grab to get through the post-game show, brother, you grabbed it because that was going to be a long 60 minutes and you never knew what was going to be said. Uh, but a lot of times it was after a tough loss, I can't believe we're paying this guy such and such because you know even back then everybody knew what – every coach made well nowadays i mean shane beamer's a bargain <laughs> at six million because you you look at where that ranks you know again it's bottom third of the sec it's 24th in the country um the average is over six for power five schools that's just where we are and we're not we're not turning back because so much of that uh starts with tv money and tv money just keeps going up and up and up. So you're right, JC. That that number ten years ago would have been like, oh my goodness, we're not going to be able to afford the light bill at Williams Bryce. Now it's like, yeah, that's that's about right. Six million. That's that's not bad. It's right about where it should be. Yeah. Second second highest paid public servant in the state of South Carolina. Well, hell, I mean. <laughs> Look, when you win two titles at Clemson, you can name your price. Dabo's getting ten point eight right now. Oh yeah, yeah, ten point eight. I mean, other than Mel Tucker, everybody in that top ten is kind of what you would expect. Although I think a lot of people would be surprised. Mark Stoops at Kentucky is number eight, but again, you look at what Mark Stoops has done there at a so-called basketball school with not a lot of talent in that state, as JC well knows. You know, we kind of did the blueprint on J.C. and Morgan on, on how they've been doing it. They sell Kentucky being the gateway to the SEC for kids in Ohio and, and kids in the Midwest that want to play in the SEC, but they don't want to be 10 hours from home. Well, come to Lexington. That's what their baseball coach does. That's what their football co- – that's, that's the winning formula. And they got consistency. You know, Brad White's been there since 2018. They've got, uh, they've got continuity. 
that goes along. And I remember being there to call a game four or five years ago, and I'm here to tell you I, I turned on the radio and I got some some local yokel talking about how he needs to be fired and you got people calling in and go, eh, what do we want this guy for? And, and they wanted him gone. And and you could tell when you, when, when you go into a coaching office and these production meetings on a Friday and a coach is on the hot seat, I mean, you can feel it. I mean, I felt that doing some of Must Champs games late at Carolina and late at Florida. You could just feel like, oh, man, he, he knows. And, and it's just like this it's, uh, it's just this overwhelming sense of, yeah, I, this ain't gonna, I remember Bielema. I had him two weeks before he got the axe. I had Ed Orgeron a month before he got Now, Ed I was bet. great. Because Ed was happy. like, they can do whatever they want to me. I'm making $30 million. <laughs> Like, that was his whole thing. <laughs> what, what, what door do you want me to go out of? And go what, ahead. What time would you like for me to leave? That's go right. Ahead. You just, you just let me know. Florida, endless summer, hard body contest. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna out. O JC. JC's got him down pat. Um, average, average jambalaya. Neither good nor bad. Like my coaching career, except one year. Hey, you were on that. I remember when you when we were talking about that whole thing, and and you're like, Mike, I, I'm hearing Ed Orgeron. I'm like, Ed Orgeron, come on. He was a laughing stock at Ole Miss. He's not a coordinator. Sure hey, enough, they hired him, and he did win a title. But other than that, eh. well, that was a weird coaching offseason, Mike, because that was right when he started JC and Morgan. And like that year, I just kind of felt like I, I just went against all conventional wisdom with some of my takes. And mm-hmm. I was right about a lot. Like Scott Frost, we thought he's going to Florida. Even Steve yeah. Spurrier is like, I think they're going to hire Scott Frost. That's exciting. Shoot. Yeah. He turned uh, it and down. Then I thought for sure Chip Kelly would take Florida. And, and that makes also everybody. That makes everybody nervous, right? When you started at that point in time, when you start to find Chip freaking Kelly in the swamp, dialing up ball plays, you're yeah. like, oh, you start thinking about all those Oregon teams. It was like a track meet. And you're like, oh, oh my yeah. God. yeah. Uh, and then he just decides to kind of like Ed Orgeron just wants to go to the beach. He's like, I'm just going to go to LA and chill. He, you know? he, pa- Pat, what, what do I say, JC? Path of what? Path of least resistance. Boom. Uh, and Frost going to Nebraska, I was like, God. That's just, he did play there. And I, I know how great their fans are. And I know you do too. Mm-hmm. But I, I also felt like Path of Least Resistance there. If Nebraska were in the uh, Big Ten East, I think he goes to Florida, right? Yep. But Nebraska being in the West, you know, you're like, well, who do we have to knock off? Well, Wisconsin, Minnesota. Yeah, you know, <laughs> historically, Nebraska's destroyed those teams. Northwestern for a short time, although they're a complete dumpster fire now. Uh, but but look, it's path of least. But that was a weird, weird off. I mean, you know, you had they who were they trying? Who did they think they were getting? Tom Herman at LSU. Oh, that and was when Tom to Herman Texas. was whew, his stock has there. I mean, in Unreal. the last in the last I don't know how many years has a guy who had never coached Power Five been that highly sought after as Tom Tom Herman was. I mean, everybody that had an opening wanted him. And a lot of programs that didn't have an opening felt like they were prepared to make an opening if they could get Tom Herman. Everybody wanted that dude. Now he's at FAU, the mean streets of Boca, coaching the Fighting Owls. And not really a great. I mean, I, I saw him play Clemson earlier this year. They were competitive for a while. Yeah, I don't know what – I my, uh, my Sun Belt – 
uh, knowledge is a little rusty right now. I know, but, I need to catch up on that, to be honest, Mike. I have not paid as much attention to the Sun Belt as I needed to. Well, and I, 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 I've said this before, having done a couple of their games, like they now, you know, Mike Oresco, the commissioner of the American, has long been wanted to be called the, we're the, it's the power six and we're the, we're the number six. Well, the, the, the Americans lost all their top programs to the Big 12. Oh, oh, you I know think what, the Sun Belt. We, yeah. we said some about though, but Florida Atlantic. I'm sorry, they're the American now. They are in the American. That's, that's right. Why, that's did. why we've been. Ah. That's yep. They made they made that transition. They made that transition, mm. uh, which now, and they are bowl eligible. Unlike James Madison, who's undefeated, but because it's within the two years that they went from FCS to FBS, they can't go to a bowl game or play in the conference championship game, which is just a stupid rule. Stupid I can't believe we're, we're playing under that, but we are. Um. Yeah. So the fight. That's right. The fight now. FIU did not go with them. Mm. Poor FIU saying, "Wait a minute. We we got three letters. We're in South Florida. Take us too." <laughs> not the same. No. Not sorry, same. man. Yeah. It, it, and, uh, unfortunately, so here here's what's going on with Tom Herbert's team. They got Casey Thompson in, who I think was Texas, then Nebraska, and and now was doing well at FAU. Out for the season. Ooh. Uh. So they've had a tough go of it. They beat Monmouth to open the season and lost at home to Ohio U, 17-10. Ohio U is pretty good. Had the game at Clemson, 14 There was some competitive. Had Illinois on ropes in Champaign and BD Belima, which, by the way, they suck this year. I don't know why they're that bad. I expected them to be much better, but they're just – this is – I mean, old Brett, I mean, I mean, yeah, you're sitting there in your Illinois and you're saying, well, well, Lima's led us to some some okay moments so far, right? And, you're, and okay is better than god-awful. And now it's god-awful again, and you're sitting there looking at Sean Lewis, who was at Kent State, who is begging you for the job, who runs this exciting futuristic offense out of Colorado, who's a native of freaking Chicago. <laughs> and you're sitting there with B.D. Belima, and he, he almost won the West last year, but then didn't because he lost a five-loss mail. And now the West is going away, and you're about to bring in Oregon and Washington and all these other – I mean, man, if you're Illinois, I think you're sitting there kicking yourself. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> it'll, it'll, oh, it'll yeah. I, I was giving you the update. On, breakdown. I was giving you the update on Florida Atlantic and Tom Herman. Yeah, so they're one and three. But two, two losses on the road to Big Ten and Clemson. Yeah. And then Ohio – Money grab they games. They lost to them by a touchdown. Ohio is two and one. They beat somebody good. If I'm not, oh, they beat Iowa State and Matt Campbell on the road. Or at home, oh, I'm sorry. They played them at home in Athens, Ohio. Why in the hell would you schedule that game? Boy, there Iowa, is a guy Iowa who State. wishes he cashed in. Matt Campbell, oh, God. Matt Campbell. <laughs> yeah. never like, gonna, uh, stock will never be higher than what it was three, four years ago. Man, never. oh, man, oh, man. Mercy, mercy me. That that yeah, is a lesson. That's a life lesson, not just for, like, football coaches. That's a That's a life lesson for people in general. Mm, take there, what there's you no, can. Well, I mean, there, yeah, there's no loyalty with companies from. anymore, right? Like, it's not like it's not oh, like when our well, with our dads was like they'd work for Norcom for thirty years and get the pension when they're done, like in the Wonder Years. Like that that that's rare I, in today's I day and age. The secret of Nim. The who? The secret of Nim. Nothing like the Chronicles of Narnia. What is that? Nah, y'all don't remember the cartoon, The Secret of Nim? Actually, yes, I never saw movie. that. It's the, the rats, the, the, the rats, these rats yeah. and mice, and the NIM was like the the national uh, intelligence. They injected these mice and rats 
with this drug and, and all of a sudden they become intelligent. Right. And so the mice got sucked down the ventilator because they were trying to escape the laboratory and they all live out on this farm. And there's Mrs. Frisbee, who's one of the, the intelligent mice's wives. And he taught her to speak. <laughs> you shaved her down, Eddie, and you taught her to speak. <laughs> I'd interject that in. Uh, and so the plow is coming, and they stop the plow because she lives under this thing. They try to, and she's in a cinder block house with her kids. They're trying to move the plow, and there's an evil rat named Jenner, and like the old wise leader named Nicodemus, right? And so Jenner wants the power, the control, right? So he, he they have a winch and a pulley, and they're pulling this block up, and and, and it's like he cuts the ropes, and the block falls right on Nicodemus and kills him. It's like Nicodemus is dead, and Jenner. So at the end, he and Jenner and the other good rat are fighting over control. And Jenner goes, I've learned one thing. Take what you can when you can. And then the other rat looks and goes, you've learned nothing. And stabs him. So we all, all watched this thing when we were kids. All of us Gen Xers, except Mike Morgan. I was watching NFL films. <laughs> I, I, I know. And so I think I think that kind of something in our head, kid. something in our head clicks when we were like, "Are not being too selfish here?" Because Jenner, take what you can when you can, and you've learned nothing. So I don't know. I, I blame the secret of Nim for Matt Campbell not taking another job. Wow, that is way over my head. I was watching like uh, the, the history of the Purple People Eaters when that was on. I'd come home, I'd eat my marshmallow treats with a six-pack <laughs> of strawberry soda oh, and, yeah. uh, and watch, watch some NFL films for like a two-hour block when I got home from school. The Vikings are there. Oh, I mean, it was just fantastic. I love this NFL where it's cold and everybody's... <laughs> yeah, I, I still love NFL films, too. I, I oh, had the time, Frozen I had Tundra of Lambeau Field, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I found a new all. fall on X yesterday. And it's like all of this. It's called uh, Kevin Gallagher, who's an NFL historian. And I, I stumbled upon it, and now I follow it. And, I mean, it is just – it's unbelievable. It's like, hey, look, there's a video of Billy White Shoes Johnson taking a kickoff wow. back for a touchdown. Yeah, nice. Uh, you know, there, there's a, <laughs> there's a, a video of well, – unfortunately, uh, Russ Francis passed away yesterday in a plane crash. Mm. Uh, but, you know, he was part of one of those 49er championship teams. Um, old Monday Night Football clips with Howard Cosell, Joe Namath with the Rams. Like I mean, it's just like I can, I, I can just digest that forever. Um, that you know, there's the Sickos Committee, which has the um, which which is a college football one, which like will throw in random clips of a game that maybe 17 people are watching, where Texas State Texas State is taking on Tulsa. And they'll show a, show a clip of like a fake punt where where they lose seventeen yards. And like I, I can't I'm like that's awesome. Like what's well, a brilliant idea to just go complete counter to everything else that's that's out there. By the way, uh, there the the Gamecock fan. Have you seen the picture of this guy that was in Neyland Stadium and he got arrested <laughs> with like his pants are halfway down to his knees and. You've got way too much skin showing and other things. Have you guys seen this? 
Yes. <laughs> I don't think JC has seen. Text text that picture to my man JC, or if we could even put it up on the screen. Here, hold on, let me let me see what I can do. <laughs> it, it, you know, it, it's a JC. You're gonna love this. I mean, this guy is like, this I, is my spirit animal. I heard about it. And I was worried about knowing. You know, like. I think everybody that's familiar. I think well, <laughs> yeah. I, I think all of mine and Phil's insane. Uncle Roy, is that you? We're in one spot on the weekend. Either this week, I think we were all in one. At least one, but at least ninety percent of us were in one spot. Yeah, that's so, true. Our closest friends. Yeah, we were uh, all there. The, well, the ones that we would really be not us. Or, 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 not, not us. Oh my God, this guy. Oh Lordy, have mercy. In yeah. Heaven. Oh, it's it's you priceless. Oh yeah. So, hold on, I'm getting... He, he is. Uh, the tidy whities are amazing. For the thousands of you that don't watch on YouTube but listen uh, online, let me let me see if I can do this justice. So he's in like let's just say section one twenty, and there's some lady who thinks she's getting like a, a little selfie of her, and behind her is this guy. Now he's not intentionally photobombing, but he is on the steps near the railing with two security guards cuffing him behind his back. He's wearing a gray Gamecock shirt, Block C logo, the whole nine. And he's got blue jeans with a belt, but the belt for some reason is not holding it up. So the pants are halfway down his thigh. He's got the tidy whiteies on underneath, which is definitely TMI, but I'm just trying to complete the visual. Uh, And he's just kind of got that look on his face like, I should have stopped with that fifth shot of bourbon. That should have been enough for me. Uh, and they're about to haul him off. For what? So I don't know who this guy is, but, I mean, he is now legendary. This is one of the pictures of 2023 college football. See, I, that's how i got to get in shape, guys, because I'm, I'm, like, built like – I'm not built <laughs> just like this guy. But similarly, like – like my butt is I have no butt, right? And so and I've not, I've got a gut kind of like this dude. And, he doesn't uh, have blue delta jeans. Eh? He's he's wearing no. Yeah, my no, blue deltas will stay up, but the, the normal ones won't uh. sometimes even with a belt. So I'll be a little discombobulated. I mean, sometimes the pants come down. I love those are off the rack. He's just a, the, the, this lady's like yeah. hey, this go, lady's go, like go balls. Go balls. What? Go balls. Oh and, this, and this guy, he's not in a, like a gamecock section. I mean, he is he's down close. He's down close in a sea of orange. He's been in the moonshine. And, and you know he's been hearing uh mm, I mean, look, I, I never get into like which fan base is the best and the worst and the you know who but from what I understand, and in every, and I know a lot of Gamecock fans that travel, there have been some awful experiences in Knoxville with just unruly fans uh, for whatever reason. If you're that big too, yeah. it's difficult because the seats are so they're like they're made for like half an ass, even like yeah. skinny people. Like it's just hard. I mean, you, and you they're can't. stacked up and kneeling. They're like yeah, they yeah, are. You, you are, are just jammed in there. It is, and you're just too close for comfort. That guy was probably uncomfortable anyway. Probably been at too many of those free moonshine tastings down in Gatlinburg. Take, I took the dang <laughs> shuttle over right from the hotel and, and had a little more on the yeah. shuttle. Then got just, there and was like, my feet are dead. Let's JC. Let's make a pact. Here during the power hour with uh, Brian Spencer as our witness on ITG, that you, no matter what, will never get to that stage 
at a college football game with everybody having a cell phone camera or video, you that's not going to be you. I don't even go in half the time. <laughs> I was going to say, that's easy, because he doesn't even go in the stadium. And, good. And, and last time I went, when I was in Charlotte, believe it or not, uh, me and Phil's wife were the most sober people out of our group of eight. Wow. And the, probably the most sober two people in like all three of our rows where I was talking about Gen Xers, a, a bunch of Gen Xers and baby boomers, like almost gotten five different fights. It's not the young <laughs> they were folks, acting folks. like children. It's us. It's us. <laughs> the work hard, play hard generation. It was us. Uh, and then, uh, so yeah. And, uh, then I, I said a lot of times I, I don't, uh, and it's not cause I've had too much to drink. I just really don't like crowds. I mean, I, I, I I tolerate concerts. Like the best experience I've had at a concert the last four years, mine and Nat's first date, actually, we went to Nashville. And I bought tickets to see Eric Church for $25. Wow. Right? In the football club section, which is right like parallel to the stage. They're not great concert seats. It's not down front. But you can see everything. And we got to spread out. And there's a bathroom there in the club seat level seats that are right, almost a private bathroom. We're sharing it with three other people. There's a snack bar and beer right there. There's a deck to go outside and look at downtown Nashville. It was beautiful right there at Nissan Stadium. That's my idea of a great concert experience or a ball game experience. Not being packed in like sardines at Neyland Stadium like this guy after I've been in downtown Gatlinburg taking advantage of all the free Tennessee wine and moonshine that that city has to offer. I wonder how much he dropped on on bottles to take home. I wonder how much his bail money was. Yeah. I had a buddy who's at a Carolina game, Carolina LSU. He's since passed away. So I'm going to say this. I'm going to tell this, and this is his honor. RIP to my friend Manning. Uh, So he didn't like LSU because his dad lived in Louisiana. That was his, like, Super Bowl. So in 08, Carolina plays LSU at home. Good game. And so I'm sitting up in the box with my friends. I got his box tickets. Unfortunately, Manning, before the game, decided it would be a good idea to just take a bottle of vodka and drink it straight out of the bottle. Not so Maddox, so in these luxury boxes at Carolina, you used to be able to go outside in the back in the open air part and smoke. You can't do that anymore, but you could then. And he smokes. He's out there smoking during the game, incoherent, and his pants fall down because he's built kind of like this guy. You know, <laughs> no belt, store bought. Your ass is probably going to shit. And he doesn't realize it. So the officer comes up to him. <laughs> And, and, and the officer's just like, dude, please pull your pants up. You know, it's okay. We're not going to do anything to you. And, and he accused the officer of uh, abusing him. <laughs> the state trooper. He said, you're picking on me. So they hauled him down to that jail in the end zone at Williams Price. <laughs> Had to go get him afterward. But there was no bail. I mean, you get a ticket. They just they, they remove you from the stands for your safety and the safety of others. I, and that's in Columbia. I don't know what they do anywhere else. Uh, that was my only experience of anybody with me ever getting arrested in a game. I don't know if there's a paddy wagon. Wouldn't it be cool if there was a paddy wagon? Ah, come on, you're going to get in the paddy wagon. Well, in Philadelphia, they got the jail under the stadium. Yeah, yeah. Williams Rice yeah. has a jail on a magistrate's office on jail on site too. But oh, does it really? Yeah, it did. It was down where the Floyd Building is now because uh, I had to go pick him up afterward. Oh, I got so mad with that guy, man. I was like, dude, that's embarrassing. So, but no, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't cause a ruckus in the stands. In fact, I barely cheer. I just kind of sit there, 
You know, and I had fun at Kentucky last year too. I'll say that. I don't want my my friends that I was I had fun at Kentucky. Anyway, have you have either one of you guys been to Kyle Field? No, no. I want to go. Pretty cool, like pretty cool too, place. It looks like a grand place. <laughs> I, I've heard it's the nicest stadium you'd ever want to be in. It. I mean, the house that Johnny built. How are their fans? Terrific. So I think I've told this story, right? Like in 2013, uh, this was the rematch. So Manziel already went to Alabama, knocked him off, right? That was like the the game of the year and the story of the year. And, of course, Johnny wins a Heisman. Well, he's got to come back to college for one more year. Didn't want to, but he did. Uh, And, of course, Knowing knowing Johnny Manziel probably didn't do anything but party the entire offseason. But so sophomore year, it's the rematch and it's at Kyle Field and Alabama, needless to say, is pissed and they're they're ready to go and get their revenge. I get a phone call from one of my bosses that says, We want you to cover it for ESPN U. You and a guy named David Diaz and Fonte uh are going to cover the Yell Night. So we have two director's chairs at midfield on a Friday night. We come on at like midnight and wow. broadcast this thing live. And we're watching them practice their cheers and everything. And I'm like, this is insane. Yeehaw. This is what they do. Uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. And then, of course, I, I hung around for the game the next day. Wound up calling it on radio. Um, and, yeah, it, I mean, it was legit. It's they had just uh, they had they had just expanded their stadium, so there are a hundred and whatever now, and the crowds are terrific. I mean, it's electric. It's a special. That's why A and M always fit in the SEC. They already had all the. They didn't have necessarily you know the winning championship thing going on. They, some would say they've been a classic underachiever, but they had all the cultural aspects of an SEC program. So they just fit in like duck, duck to water, whatever that expression is. They just right in there, no problem, smooth as silk. Um, but yeah, that's been one of my favorite places to go and and call a game or catch a game. Uh, cool college town, Republic, great state house, steakhouse. Just saying. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's awfully good. There's there's some underrated ones too. Like Arkansas is a cool place. A lot of people don't get a chance to go to Fayetteville. It's nobody wants to drive to Fayetteville from South Carolina, but if you get the chance, I recommend you go. I went there once, uh, and I actually drove because I, I too was working for ESPN. This was '09. I flew in to Branson, Missouri, which is an interesting place. Oh yeah, uh, drove all the way down through the Ozarks and through some great. Scary towns uh, through Arkansas to Little Rock. Spent the night in Little Rock. Called a game with Luke and Bill and uh, Luke's. Maybe maybe Luke and Craig Halbert. It was Little Rock Christie. It was wherever Michael Dyer, who played at Auburn, oh yeah, was playing. Oh yeah. Um, and so I was there. And the next day, Gamecocks played at noon. And I actually got in the. I went to the press box that day because Whittle was there covering it. And uh, went and made the drive from Little Rock to Fayetteville. It's a beautiful drive. Yeah, you go up through the mountain. You go about three hours. Yeah, you go west, and then you cut up this highway that takes you due northwest. It's uh, it's great. That that whole area, the whole Tri Cities, Springdale, um, Bentonville, exploding. It's it's a fantastic place to live. 
It, and yeah. uh, and and Arkansas, the campus was really nice. And I got to go to the catfish hole, which is delicious. Haven't been there. Oh, the catfish uh, hole is delicious. No, that, I, I, that was uh, Doze is the uh, the place I normally hit there. One of them, Doze off of uh, Dixon. Oh, by the Doze way, we're on, Dixon. Uh, on the Chief we Sports take a break, app, app. Yeah, I, I want to remind everybody download the Chief Sports app too because uh, at some point we're going to have like some travel info there for you guys. It can be really cool, off the beaten path kind of stuff. Mm. Everybody takes vacations, right? You don't just sit around and listen to us all day. So, uh, and sometimes. I don't know where to go. I'm like, oh, I've been here a lot, been there a lot, blah, 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 blah. And everybody's got a recommendation, so we're going to have Shoot. some stuff like that. I'll give you an itinerary soon. for every SEC town you go to. Oh, yeah. Mike's I got you covered, all man. Of them, all 20 of them, times so. over. Yeah. Not so, more. <laughs> uh, all right, Xavier, if Phil promises me nicely that he'll remind me on Thursday because I'm off tomorrow, uh, that uh, I need to answer this um well, I'm off tomorrow as long as you guys approve my new schedule I sent out <laughs> earlier this morning. You probably haven't say, I like it, but maybe you yeah. could join us for the noon hour because Chase and uh, Jeff with Park Avenue. Will That's be. right, tomorrow. So, but, but I, yeah, so I won't. I, I, I'll skip that. We'll come back and then and wrap it up with Mike and talk some more ball here because that that's more of a me question. I don't want to, you know, bore you guys with a, a long answer to something that, but uh, you know. So, yeah, so we'll just go from there. All right, Inside the Gamecocks, the show wrapping up. White Morgan and Phil Mullinex after this. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Cool Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast, the char level. We use a number three level char. If you char too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer, just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor.
If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Hey Gamecock fans, Mike Morgan here. During my time in Columbia, one of my favorite places to eat was Salsaritas. When I go back now for work or any other reason, it's still Salsaritas. Yeah, I'm like you. I love tacos. I love Tex-Mex. Where are you going to go to get them? Well, you've got two convenient Salsaritas locations, one in Lexington in the Target Center and one in West Columbia as well. Now, if you like tailgating, and who doesn't? Whether it's for a football game or anything else, they've got the catering hotline. Get yourself some Fiesta packs to take tailgating. Get yourself the Three Amigos bundles for tailgating. They make catering easy with a fresh, hot setup. And again, you just call the phone number, 803-543-6297 to set it up. You can also look them up online, or you can even download the app. Salsaritas is just a cut above the rest. That's why they're serving williams Price Stadium and the South Stands, also serving in the Colonial Life Arena. Again, that catering hotline number, make it easy for you and the folks out there. You don't need to settle for sandwiches. Which is every time. 803 543 6297. 803 543 6297. Wow, Taco Tuesday here. Yeah, man. The power. Makes me hour. hungry every time I see that. Yeah, I Plus, know. I <laughs> wish I had my own mariachi band. But uh, I can eat Mexican food every day. I sometimes I almost do. There's uh, yeah. as JC can tell you, he's been to, to my pad. I'm surrounded by good Mexican food. I've got yes. one down the street, another one over here, another one over there. Uh, but I do. I mean, Salsaritas is damn good, and it's so easy. So even though uh, there's no Gamecock home game, you Columbia listeners, and I know you're growing by the dozens on this show. That catering hotline, 803-543-6297. Suki will have you covered. Might be a good Saturday to just chill and watch everybody else play. Less stressful, right? You don't, you're not, you don't have to worry about winning and losing. Just chill and watch the other teams out there play some ball. Get yourself a Fiesta pack or maybe a Three Amigo bundle or something like that. Suki will have you covered. And we'll have our um, – we'll announce our winner on Thursday – of the Fab Five Challenge. We'll have five more picks this weekend. Uh, we did okay. I know the panel did okay. No 5-0s, and O's, that's for sure. But no 0-5 either. Ah, thank goodness. So, so Linear says at Williams-Brice, they used to be able to arrest, book, try, find, and release you without even leaving the stadium. Not sure these days because they don't sit with the out-of-control crowd. I well, mean, like, sadly, I yeah. Sadly, that's a necessary evil at some places. I don't even sit with – I don't even like getting in the luxury. I used to be like, okay, I'll go if I can sit in the luxury box. I don't even like that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> also, I, I don't, I don't, I don't like more like sections. That, that sky view southwest section is nice. 
up in the Love upper in the end zone. Yeah, yeah I, I end like zone that. Zone it's not bad. Like, you can see, you can everything. see everything. It's so high, you don't miss anything. Yeah, yeah. and, and it's, it's a different it's viewpoint too. Crowd up there. <laughs> well, Jan Bennett sits up there, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Of course, he's a chill crowd. So uh, we love Jan here on our show, but yeah, I I don't know what it is. I guess I've, I've used to go all the time. I mean, I would go, guys. I I kind of secretly, almost secretly went when I worked at Rivals. I'd drive down from Nashville and go to the games. I just thought that was like my life is going to Carolina football games. Like that was the only one thing I did that was fun. And <laughs> I was like. I don't know, about five years ago, just, I was just like, or 10 years ago. I guess, we, all right, it's probably about 10, because it was like 2012. 2013, I went to back-to-back home games, and I enjoyed it. I went to Clemson and Florida, back, Florida Clemson back-to-back. 2014 is when I really was just like, all right, I'm done with this. Can you, JC and Phil, I mean, can you guys now go to a game and not, like, cheer and be rowdy and can you just like chill in your seat as you've gotten older and you've gotten more kind of tarnished in this profession that we've chosen where we're not we're not just out there being fans i have can you do that i haven't done that in a long i did one play at kentucky last year uh the first play of the game when you know they stripped the ball you know, I, I was like, yeah, that was good. And I jumped up, and the crowd was so deafening. I got dizzy sat back down. <laughs> I turned it up for the, you know, for the third downs when you want the stadium to be lit, you know. But uh, beyond that, I'm I'm a bit more subdued. Now, yeah. we took our daughters to the Furman game, so it was fun to kind of pass that on to them, to see them, you know, kind of embrace that fanaticism. Yeah. Now I will at times if things are not going well, right? <laughs> put my hand over my mouth like you suck. I'm done. I'm like wiping my face. Who said that? Who said that? <laughs> Sometimes I'll get a little frustrated, you know, maybe yell something, but that's just because so much is at stake every weekend, you know, with the, with being in this profession we've chosen, especially when you're kind of aligned with a team and. You know, my, my, my constituency, so to speak, they're all Gamecocks now. You know, I've got, yeah. I've got a few fans that are other schools still, but, you know, and I hurt for these guys, and I get frustrated for these guys and gals that love us and care enough to listen to what we say now for three hours every day. <laughs> now, I would still <laughs> prefer to sit in the stands in the press box because I would always like to be able to reserve the right to display my – I'm done with the press. I, I, like the, the best part about the press box is the food. I don't want to be buttoned up. That's the thing. I don't think most fans, you know, fans will, will look at people like us, and I'm not in the press box 99% of the time. I'm in a broadcast booth, which is part of the yeah. press box, but it's it's same but different. Um, but most fans will be like, man, you guys got it made. You're in air conditioning up there, and you got your bathrooms and everything. But what people don't realize is that, there is no cheering supposed to be allowed. Now, some schools struggle with this, and, and and you do have, in this day and age of media, you do have media who are also are fans that don't necessarily know how to separate the two ever. Uh, but, I mean, your average fan, if you had them – like I had a, a Alabama game last year, and they were playing some FCS team, and my analyst, who's a former coach – 
was buddies with this guy who played for Bear Bryant. Okay, I mean, this guy was an older gentleman, and uh, he he didn't get a ticket. And I'm like, you, you couldn't get a ticket to – you played for Bear Bryant? They didn't give you a ticket? He's like, no, they didn't give me a ticket. So uh, we let him in the booth, and he's sitting behind us as we're calling the game, and he couldn't help himself. He's, you know, animate. What am I going to do? Am I going to turn around and tell this guy who played for Bear Bryant in Alabama back in the – 70s, like, hey, uh, you know, could you keep it down? We're doing a broadcast here. Like, no, I can't, I can't do that. Just let him, let him be him. Uh, <laughs> can you imagine? Like, he was, he would not be able to sit for three and a half hours and not cheer. I mean, he played for Alabama. He bleeds crimson. Like, it's a different. I think it's a different level for those guys who played it. And to ask them to just sit there on their hands during a during a game in a in a sterile environment like a press box. That's difficult for those guys to do. Oh yeah, the guys that actually played, they either guys that get played either just sit there detached and most of the time disgusted because they're like, I could have done better than that, you know, <laughs> or they're way, way like they're guy they got the helmet back on, right? Yeah, you know, it's it's something else. So I, uh, yeah, Jay Diz, I mean, yeah, the exception of the the press box protocol is up at uh, the neighbors to the northwest in Clemson. <laughs> <laughs> may as well be a big donor box or something and hey everybody comes in there with their Clemson vest on and Tiger Paul hey guys go Tigers how about the Tigers but uh, I don't know I'm, I'm done with the press box too because there's a common theme with me I mean I, I don't like the people <laughs> in the press box <laughs> not all of it <laughs> Some don't of them name just, names. Don't name what, names. What piss on if they're on fire, you know. And it's like I just, uh, I'm like, ah, well, I just don't. I don't have any. That's what you know. You know what though? That happens with things I love. It's like people screw it up. It's like because theater. I quit do. I quit doing theater in college because I realized I have nothing in common with any of these people I'm doing theater with. You know, I mean, I like sports. And, you know, I love to be creative, just like the next guy. But I'm like, man, there's just you go to like a cask party and there's like 18 different pieces of drama off that are real life, not on stage that you got to go through. And theater everybody. people are different. I took a theater appreciation class in college because yeah. I thought it'd be an easy A and I was, and we had to do volunteer work on plays like oh, no. behind the scenes. Oh, yeah, oh text like tech stuff. Yeah. <laughs> setting up the stage. And, and, and I've never seen a group of people that I do not fit in with more in my life. <laughs> These people, <laughs> You know, they, they, they are, they're in a different, and I come from a family that's very, or to believe it or not, like I didn't grow up around sports fans in my family. All my friends, we all played sports and love sports, but that does, that is not the environment I was brought up in. Uh, there's a lot of artistic people in my family and I don't get them either. Like they don't like sports. And I'm like, how do you not like, how do you not cover? And I, they're watching me watching a game and they don't understand why I'm so into it. And they just, it, 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 like you we're know, just on different planets. I can't even like, explain it. That's how I, I know Phil through theater because that's how I met Phil's wife. We did a, a Christmas carol together. I was the ghost of Christmas present, by the way. <laughs> Killed it. Oh, Scrooge. Scrooge. Anyway. Um, but, hey, I was really, really good at it. Don't get me wrong. I was one of the best. Well, I was a goat. But. I just one day I was just like I hate these people. 
I, I need to, and, and I'll never forget the day I decided to quit. I was actually at Carolina at the time. I was Baraccio and much ado about nothing. And I'm topping that hill on something right there where that theater is. And Carolina, it's 1999. Lou Holtz just got there, right? And that was a bad football team and a bad game, I know. But I'm still, so there's some excitement when Lou takes the job. I'm topping the hill, and I see Williams Bryce. Because 6 o'clock, I had a call at 6.30. The game was at 7. And you started to see, and that stands above the zone, the crowd starting to fill in. And I was like a little puppy looking out like missing my owner. I'd rather be there. Instead, I got to go talk an iambic pentameter with these people for two and a half hours. <laughs> and, and try to check the scores through the few people in the dressing room that care. And there were a few. We're winning. <laughs> you know. yeah, Have people they, seen your, your, your clips on YouTube? Do they... Do oh, they my know your thespian <laughs> Yes, those are all film clips. I, I kind of overacted those, but yeah. I think when you're out, when you're like Wednesday, when you're when it's a bye bye down. week for JC, we should just play some random clips of you performing, <laughs> just to kind of fill the void. Man, I was I was. Really <laughs> well, I've got some off script stuff that'd be real good too, Mike. <laughs> oh, bring it! Everybody can bring their best stuff. There's a it's video like, uh, from the weekend. I don't want to. I don't want to get that one out there. Yeah, no, we don't. We don't anyway, want this. Uh, like you know, uh, Rob dan- Lowe type on stuff. Pants. Little dance number I did. Was pretty <laughs> cool. on pants. Cut a rug. Anyway, for Mike Morgan, go ahead. Is this the official wrap up? Is this the? But yeah, by the way, for those good. asking. We're waiting on Jamie, who is off today. He normally has the winner of the Fab Five Challenge. Yeah, so tomorrow so we'll, he'll have we'll it have and that. tell you who won. If I told you, I promise I would know, but he's got yeah, that information. We don't have that. We don't have that kind of clearance. We don't. He's top secret. What's your clearance, but, uh, Clarence? What's your vector, Victor? <laughs> JB will be back tomorrow, hopefully. Uh, we'll have Chase Belt from Park Avenue along with uh, Jeff Hoffman to talk about Gamecock NIL stuff. Got some new stuff. In my inbox today to carry on. Joiner is the latest one to get another NIL deal with Snickers. It's a way to go, DK. Nice. I know. I know. Good partnership. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's, you know, I know DK Who doesn't not, like Snickers. He's not tearing it up this year at running back, but he's a, he, he's a good kid, deserves it. So we, uh, we, uh, we'll talk about that and some other long term NIL, NIL initiatives at Carolina. Plus, uh, that's it on Wednesdays. We don't have any more guests. Uh, Thursday, we get back to our regularly scheduled programming. Uh, may take Friday off. This is an open date. I don't know. Uh, and then head back next week, full speed ahead with the Florida Gators coming to town. For J.C. Sherbert, Mike Morgan, Philip Mullinax. I mean, for, sorry. For Phil Mullinax and Mike Morgan, this is J.C. Sherbert, not Phil Mullinax. Signing off on Inside the Game Gamecast Show. Have a great, great day, everyone.